You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. WAPG. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy, episode 565. Hello, you're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show, the view from our side of the cockpit door, with your host, Captain Jeff, broadcasting live from Studio 1A at APG headquarters in Roswell, Georgia. Today's show is recorded on the 13th of April, 2023. In today's episode in South Africa, the pilot of a small plane makes an emergency landing because of a venomous cobra on board. Federal agents mistakenly detain a Delta pilot when going into the wrong hotel room during a training exercise. More news, your feedback, and today's plain tale brass monkeys. So get all settled in. Tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger. Flight 565 is ready for pushback. Thank you, Radio Roger. An award-winning TV and radio reporter currently at the number one all-news station in the nation. 1010 wins on 92.3 FM. New York City! In New York City. Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guys Show, an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback. I'm Captain Jeff, a pilot at a major legacy airline based somewhere in the United States of America. And joining me from across the pond and his studio... Professional photographer, former RAF, RAAF fighter pilot, retired Airbus A330, A340 captain for Virgin Atlantic Airways. It's Captain Nick. Hi there, Jeff. Lovely to be back on the show again. Quick traffic uh, news announcement. If you're driving in uh, Kakalaki land, watch out for the pink Jeep. She's trying to get back to her studio. So, uh, you know, anything could happen. A young, good-looking doctor with her hair on fire. Watch out. <laughs> also joining us from a place to stand, a place to grow, lots of snow. We have our retired financier, aviation enthusiast, spreadsheet master, and our producer, it's Liz Piper. Hi, everybody. It's kind of like summer here today. It's great. No snow. Awesome. Let's do some aviation news. Stand by for news. All right, let's start off with our first news item. This is uh, a final report from an incident, accident actually, that happened and we covered shortly after it happened back in May of 2021. Uh, it was a Key Lime uh, Air Swearingen SA-226TC Metro 2 registration 280 Kilo Lima, performing flight 970 from Salida, Colorado, Colorado, to Denver Centennial, Colorado, one cr- with one crew. The, uh, he was on a visual approach to runway 17 left, cleared for the approach, descending through 6,400 feet, three nautical miles north at the threshold, runway 17 left. 
a private Cirrus SR22 registration November 416 Delta Juliet with two people on board was cleared for a visual approach to 17 right and was advised of the traffic landing on the parallel runway. The Cirrus descended through 6,400 feet, about three nautical miles north of the threshold of runway 17 right, but overshot the center lines of both runways 17 right and 17 left. Two aircraft collided. The Cirrus apparently struck across through the fuselage of the Metroliner just above the wings, taking out the whole cabin section at that point. The Metro crew declared an emergency on tower frequency, reporting that their right-hand engine had failed, and reported they saw another aircraft on parachute going down. I don't, at that point, I don't even think he realized that that was the airplane. That um, He didn't even realize that, that he had been hit by that airplane. After landing, the crew advised it had been definitely uh, been a mid-air collision. Okay, so uh, good news is that the uh, pilot in the Cirrus uh, and passenger uh, ended up um, safely uh, coming to terra firma with the uh, parachute. And uh, I think they only had uh, it says no injuries. And the, uh, the Metroliner pilot had uh, no injuries either. So that was the happy ending in all this. Could have been a lot worse. In their final oh, report. Oh, certainly could have been. I mean, if I'd been in that swearing gin, I'd have done a lot of swearing. <laughs> yes, you would. Um, so the NTSB released their final report, concluding that the probable cause of the accident was the Cirrus pilot's failure to maintain the final approach course for the assigned runway, which resulted in a collision with the swear engine, which was on final approach to the parallel runway. And also contributing to the accident was a failure of the controller. So the, I guess there were two tower controllers, uh, one for the 17 left and 17 right. Uh, the tower controller controlling the Cirrus did mention the other airport, airplane on a parallel approach. However, the Swearingen um, 17 left tower controller uh, did not mention to him that there was a Cirrus out there on a parallel runway. And so it says that um, the failure of the controller to issue a traffic advisory to the swear engine pilot regarding the location of the Cirrus and the Cirrus pilot's decision to fly higher than recommended approach speed, which resulted in a larger turn radius, contributed to his overshoot of the final approach course. And I think at some point here, the, the speaking of the speeds, I think that um, the norm recommended speed for approach in the Cirrus is 90 to 95 knots. And uh, Steph, uh, go ahead, um, just like nod your head, uh, yes or yay or nay, if that's right. Okay, we can't see you. <laughs> um, and uh, he was about 50 knots above that recommended speed. So yes, anytime you have more speed, you're going to have a greater turn radius. And uh, let's see, it said that um, its flight path carried it through the extended center line for the assigned runway and into the extended center line for the left runway. At the time of the collision, the Cirrus had completed about half of the 90-degree turn from base to final. And if it hadn't hit the swear engine, its trajectory would have taken it even further left of the final approach course for the left runway. So That's, that's, that's barely it got halfway around the turn. Mm -hmm. It already flown through both runway center lines yeah i'm going where do you think it was going i i don't know that's a good question <laughs> i don't know what the heck okay. they were yeah thinking. i mean uh, did he misidentify the you see the, there's a still detail in this because uh, we, we've no idea why he mishandled his airplane okay if you've got a 
uh, carry extra speed. Your turn radius is going to be larger if you use the same angle of bank. But, of course, you could whack a bit more bank on and pull a bit harder. Not ideal on your finals turn. But if you're carrying too much speed, well, if you're carrying adequate speed, it's, it's fine. So I, I'm still at a loss as to how he managed to misidentify his position so badly and mishandle his airplane so badly. There's no explanation of that. No, there really isn't. I mean, it doesn't say anything like, you know, he was a student pilot or just freshly minted private pilot or anything. I don't. Exactly. I don't yeah. know. Uh, main, so uh, since sorry. this is the final report, I'm just a little bit disappointed in the NTSB's uh, assessment. Now, here. I have to say that in accidents like this that aren't like, airliners or like you know a tremendous loss of life uh, sometimes the investigator or investigator staff uh, aren't aren't huge and uh, they don't i don't they don't always go into the i think the detail that uh, some of these other aircraft accidents incidents uh, go Fair into enough. yeah but i mean that that's that's an impressive amount of damage that that uh, oh i know Warrington took Yes. And stayed flying. It's just amazing. It didn't fold up. Pretty amazing. Yes. Yeah. Um, main uh, main man, or not main man, but main Marin says that failure to not hit the other guy. Final report. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very, very true. Yes. There are a few, there are very few mitigating circumstances, in fact, no mitigating circumstances uh, for uh, the um, Cirrus pilot, I'm afraid. Mm hmm. And our uh, UH Blackhawk uh, in our audience says airplanes flyer at higher than recommended approach speeds have been a factor in some recent mid-airs. The high speeds is a common thread that he sees in high-performance airplanes. And what I uh, notice is that when we're out in an airliner flying a visual approach to, let's say, a smaller airport, and you have kind of positioned yourself to intercept final very close to the final approach final approach fix or maybe just outside of that which is a little bit closer in than normal and when you're coming at a at it on a base turn uh, because you're not really practiced uh, as you, as much as you know getting that nice 30 degree intercept heading way further out on an ILS approach uh, you kind of you know you sometimes wait a little bit too long to to make that turn and and I usually find myself in those situations when I'm not the one flying the airplane going, all right, yeah, we're, we're getting, uh, you know, it looks like, yeah, I don't know. I try to say something that's like, turn the airplane now or else we're going to definitely overshoot. And if it's one of those, <laughs> if it's an airport where there's not parallel runways and people out there, you know, on the other, if you overshoot a little bit, it's not going to be a big deal. I usually just kind of bite my tongue and don't say anything. Or I might say, yeah, you know, you might, might want to start your turn or something like that. I, I may some, say something like that, but if there is a situation where we're on a, like this airport with the parallel approaches, I will definitely say, yeah, just remember <laughs> you got, you got to make your turn a little bit earlier. We're a lot closer in than you're used to. So, uh, you know, just keep that in mind. Yeah. I hope yeah, boxes I, says high performance aircraft versus, uh, 
low performance pilots or slow performance pilots. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <true. laughs> yes, sir. And of course, it, it's very useful to get the the meat of the turn out of the way, so that you can take the bank off as you start sliding towards the center line, which is lots of advantages. It allows you to come back towards your approach speed now because you don't have a lot of bank on. There's not a lot of turn to finish, so you feel confident about coming back towards. You know, and we're approaching the stalling speed of obviously as you come back towards your uh, VREF, you're not going to go all the way through to the stalling speed, but you want to bring your speed back to your approach speed. Uh, if you've got a lot of turn to complete, you're going to feel a little reluctant to do that until you finish it. So get the meat of your turn out of the way early, and then uh, you can ease off the bank and slide on that uh, uh, center line, and uh, you'll feel a lot more comfortable. I agree. And so does our esteemed, experienced professional pilots in our live audience that are with us Most today. certainly, yes. Just a plug for that, uh, for those of you listening. Um, if you ever get a chance, uh, why don't you consider joining us on these live recording days uh, on YouTube and uh, follow us on the social meds, and we'll talk about that at the end of the show. You'll be notified when we're doing our live recording, and you'll have lots of fun. I mean, most of the people that are in the live chat are decent people. And the YouTube link is there. <laughs> yes. And then there's Tim Van Ram. And then no, there's Tim Van Ram. Like, <laughs> but don't worry, Liz has the spanner of death. So yes. She can she boot gets people fed out. up with someone and they no, disappear. You'll know what's happened. Yep. That's for sure. Yeah. If you need to suck up to anybody, it's her and not me. <laughs> yeah. so don't even bother. All right. Uh, let's see here. Next item, uh, from, uh, we got, a uh, that, uh, this one right here, Liz, you said we have, we got a lot of folks that oh, uh, yeah. sent, we got sent in five uh, or feedback. Six, for this. Think, okay. Yeah. Um, and we're, we just chosen one, um, somebody who lives up in the uh, Boston area, Kevin St. John. He said, hello, Captain Jeff and the whole APG crew. Greetings from Dana's home state. I thought I'd share a news story of a slightly different type than the usual APG fare of ye old pilot tales. Oh, I like that. Are, are, are you changing the name, uh, Nick, to ye old pilot tales? Uh, yeah, ye oldie. Oldie, uh, yeah. yeah. Which I always look forward to. Flight-related accidents, runway incursions, near misses, passengers acting badly, etc. And yet an another story that comes from the, quote, how can this happen genre. We have an ACME pilot being mistakenly detained, handcuffed, and interrogated in a DOD training exercise that went awry when the training participants went to the wrong hotel room. This begs yeah. the was he handcuffed to the bed post? That's what? when he, when they first got into the room, he was, and then <laughs> they changed it to uh, handcuffing him somewhere in the bathroom. Just, oh, okay. Just kidding, of course. Um, I know, I knew the bathroom we is easier to clean. Yeah. Um, so, Nick, uh, the uh, control room is asking you to bump up your volume a little bit. Bump up the volume? Mm -hmm. oh, I haven't been asked to do that for a very long time. Yeah. And I can bring mm -hmm. mine down if that helps. Yeah. No, no, they're all saying Nick's a bit quiet. Let's find a volume control. We're not, we're not uh, balanced. Well, oh, I could... I could I could do it here, actually. Yeah, but mate, so I've, I've taken mine down a, a, a notch or two. Uh, and I brought mine up a bit okay. in 
Okay, Okay, that's great. I think I know it sounds good to me. Sounded good to me before, but um, so Jeff, this was not an Acme pilot, correct? Wasn't this a Delta pilot? Um, Yes, good point, Liz. Uh, She's she's bringing out the point, uh, uh, gently correcting Kevin St. John that this was not an Acme pilot; it was a Delta pilot. And uh, you know, you'll know that Delta and Acme are very similar, you know, airlines, but. Um, yeah, they both employ pilots. Yes. 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 Steph, but, uh, Steph is on close final. Oh, uh, Steph is on short final, so she'll be joining us soon. Okay. Uh, Mind your speed, Steph. Yes. Yeah. Remember, if you're going a little bit faster than normal, you're going to have a, a greater turn radius. A big turn onto yeah. the driveway. You want to make sure you make it into the dri- <laughs> into the garage. Well, those jeeps aren't renowned for their handling characteristics. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> anyway, uh, so um, let's get back to Kevin's uh, feedback. He said um, the uh, pilot being mistakenly detained, handcuffed, and interrogated in a DOD training exercise that went awry. Uh, the, this begs the question, uh, what were the Department of Defense personnel training for? Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> Will knowing this give you pause as you plan your bids for upcoming flights if a trip to Boston was on your mind? Uh, well, um, sadly, um, Kevin, it won't uh, be. Uh, it will give me a pause because I uh, we don't fly the uh, or my company Acme doesn't fly the seven seventeen to Boston anymore, and I miss Boston. Uh, it's always an enjoyable layover, but yep, that's not one of those places that I can I can go to anymore. Um, so he ends with, "Now that you've done your last simulator training session, I wish." The remainder of your Part 121 flying career is boringly routine, filled with blue skies as well as flight phase appropriate winds and early morning flights. Respectfully, Kevin St. John. Thank you, Kevin. And all of you who sent links to various articles dealing with this uh, this incident. Now, um, Steph, do you want to oh, – she's just taking a <laughs> bite of something. So, I a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> But we're going to, you know what? We're going to. It's a peanut butter cookie dough with chocolate chips. It's quite good. Yeah. I was very hungry. Okay. Well, hello, Steph. Um, Hi. We'll play a little bit of your uh, music here. Ah, she's uh, an amazing woman who runs marathons and flies airplanes and puts like sharp. That's fine. Yeah. Like needles in people and makes them cry. But she's a really nice person. I didn't make anyone cry today. Really? I think. Okay. Anyway. It's Dr. Steph. Hey, guys. Sorry for being tardy. Um, work always seems to get in the way this time of day, dude. but glad to be here now. We are glad that you made it. And I, I actually am impressed that you made it as quickly as you did. So I think um, one of the school districts is on spring break this week. It is not the one that is closest to me, but it's the one that's closest to my uh, office. So I think it uh, helped with buses. traffic. Really did. Because when you gave Good us job. that ETA earlier, um, um, I just yeah, I, that went fast. We got here faster than the ETA. Other than said. like you getting confused and going back and forth between North and South Kakalaki all day. Well, long. the yeah, I know you touched on that probably before the show even started, so people listening probably are confused. But um, it's they're, not so much. A, it's not so much. They're a watching state, the show, stuff, So they're obviously. They're, yeah, they're definitely they're confused, confused anyway. <laughs> it's not so much a state line as it is a state zigzag, mm-hmm. hence multiple crossings. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, excellent. Well, we're glad you're here with us. And um, thanks. So we were in the middle of talking, uh, I know you've been listening, so yeah, we're talking about this incident involving a Delta pilot during a training exercise mishap at a hotel in Boston on Tuesday night. 
the DOD agents were conducting a role-playing operation with the assistance of the FBI Boston Division. That's worth role-playing and handcuffs. They were just having fun, and they had like extra <laughs> sets of handcuffs Sounds for some like a spicy evening. reason. And they broke into the wrong room at the Revere Hotel on Stewart Street around 10 p.m. Uh, a Boston police dispatcher made the call early Wednesday mornings. Uh, sir, bear with me on this one. <laughs> Can you swing by the Revere Hotel, 200 Stewart Street? Security called in saying 45 minutes ago, two Delta pilots had people claiming to be FBI agents barge into their room and handcuff them to the bathroom. And they've since left and want to file a report now. In a statement, a spokesperson for FBI Boston said, based on Inaccurate information. In other words, it was the hotel's fault. They were mistakenly <laughs> sent to the wrong room and detained an individual, not the intended role player. Another, he he just wasn't into it. Um, in a statement, uh, no. Didn't have an emergency <laughs> escape word. <laughs> uh, Boston officers were called to the scene to confirm that the incident was indeed a training exercise. Uh, there were no reported injuries during the mishap, except for some maybe redness on the uh, on the wrists and hurt feelings. And hurt feelings, yes. Uh, well, the, don't they use the fur lined handcuffs for this sort of thing? Well, <laughs> I think they had some sets of those um, in a different bag. But, they were uh, pink. Yeah, pink <laughs> and print. Pink and blue. Um, yeah. Sorry. A uh, Department of Defense official said the department apologizes to the person affected by the training exercise. Um, here's the quote. Uh, the, tra the training uh, was meant to enhance soldiers' skills to operate in realistic and unfamiliar environments. The training team, unfortunately, entered the wrong room and de detained an individual unaffiliated with the exercise. Lieutenant Colonel Mike Burns of the U.S. Army Special Operations Command said in the statement, Sources told 25 investigates that the agents entered a room that two Delta pilots were staying in, uh, and I'm, I'm not sure that that's accurate, and one pilot was handcuffed in the bathroom for about 45 minutes. After the incident, sources say pilots went to the hotel's front desk and pounded on it and said, you need to call the police because we're filing a report. Would it be great if they report. were in the middle of a podcast when they burst in the room? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. well, how would they really know that they were FBI agents at that point? I don't. Like that it was some training, you know? I don't know, but Liz is saying, well, what if you're like in the middle of recording a podcast and they come bursting into your room and handcuff? That would be a that would be a great podcast that we'd probably yeah. get really good. Numbers. I'd watch that podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you don't watch this one. OK. Neil Landward says um, about. OK, Neil, Neil Landward. They're watching our podcast. says uh, when you're bored with doctors and nurses, you have to go to pilot and, uh, and FBI, FBI agent. Oh, for playing. the role playing. Yeah, mm -hmm. gotcha. Cowboys and Indians, doctors, nurses, yeah. FBI agent, and airline pilot. Oh, I okay, I get it. Um, let's see. We're looking into reports of an alleged incident in Boston that may involve Delta people. We have no further to nothing further to share at this time, other than just you know nothing to see here. Look the other way. Right <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's move along. <laughs> um, so the thing, two things about this are kind of curious to me. Uh, the the biggest one for me is that the they they entered a room that two Delta pilots were staying in. Well, that I, they probably just got that wrong. I, uh, some something I would got think so. lost in the train because yeah. we don't. They were, they were just playing cards. We don't. You don't usually up. bunk together. No, yeah. we don't normally. 
and uh, that's disappointing. Uh, and the well, not even no, with Brent. <laughs> well, I mean, I would Brent. Yeah, if it were Brent, I guess that would be okay. But I still prefer to be alone in my room, actually. Um, and then the other thing is the Revere Hotel. I think that, of course, this is not Acme. This is Delta Airlines, so maybe they do stay at the uh, Revere Hotel for their layover. But uh, at, at Acme, uh, ever since I've been flying with them for more than thirty years, our tip, our layover hotel has always been the Park Plaza. Uh, but maybe they've changed it. I don't know. It's been a while since I've had a had a Boston layover. So. They're changing it now after this incident. Yep, you're right. They're probably going to change it now for sure. Oh boy. I don't know. Snakes I agree with um, snakes on a plane. Whoever. Um, I know a bunch of people sent this in. I think it was Kevin St. John, like, filed this under things that just shouldn't happen, you know? Yeah. It's what a bizarre like, story. Well, I, I think that they said in the article that there are there are protocols that they were supposed to go through to make sure that mistakes like this aren't going to happen. But apparently, there were many Some Funyuns balls lined dropped. up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're not brass monkey balls. Okay. Um <laughs> Let's uh, continue Snakes on, on with uh, this one uh, C, um, and and again, several of you sent in uh, links to various articles regarding this to this uh, regarding the story. A uh, let's see, including Ryan Marcus from Johannesburg. He said, uh, "I live in South Africa. Came across this article. Something really different and unusual. Thought I'd share it with you all for your show." Keep up the great podcast. Kind regards, Ryan Marcus in Johannesburg, South Africa. Okay, uh, this particular article is from TimesLive.co.za. You like that? Zimbabwe. I said Z. Very good. Um, here we go. Uh, Pilot Rudolf Erasmus was on his way to Nelspruit in a beach raft, Baron. I don't know what that is. <laughs> That's the one it's that the can land South on African the water. South African version of oh. Beechcraft. Yeah. <laughs> Beechcraft, yeah. The one that lands on the water. <laughs> okay. No, I think they left a letter out of that. Uh, Beechcraft Baron, with four passengers on Monday, when he had to make an emergency landing to drop off an unwelcome passenger, a highly venomous Cape Cobra snake. Ooh. Erasmus, who obtained his commercial license in 2016, told Times Live, it was definitely his first such experience. This was definitely a first and not something you get trained to handle, to be honest, he said. Together with four, pa- yeah, like why would you? Uh, together with four passengers, Erasmus was scheduled to fly Monday morning from Worcester in the Western Cape to Nelspruit within a few stop with a few stops on the way. That'll be Worcester. Worcester, excuse me. They they pronounce it like that in the South Africa too, huh? Well, Pretty much everywhere. They copy okay. the British pronunciation. <laughs> Even Massachusetts. Oh darn it! Well, that's not the way we pronounce it in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> I am so sad. I thought for sure I was going to get all these pronunciations correct. No, well here I still have a chance to uh, to, to to mess mess up some more names. Uh, the first stop was Bloemfontein, and the second Wonderboom. Wonder boom. Uh, when we did the pre-flight procedure on Monday morning, the people at Worcester, Worcester Airfield told us that they had seen a Cape Cobra lying underneath the wing on Sunday afternoon. They tried to catch it themselves, but unfortunately it sought refuge inside the engine cowlings. 
The group opened up the cowlings, but the snake was not there, so they assumed it had slithered away. Erasmus said that they were on their second leg of the flight, having earlier stopped for snacks and were headed to Wonderboom. Just around welcome, Erasmus said he felt something unwelcome, (laughs) something strange on his body. (laughs) I usually travel with a water bottle that I lodge between my leg and my hip towards the sidewall of the aircraft. When I felt this cold sensation where my love handles are, I thought my bottle was dripping, Erasmus said. As I turned to my left and looked down, I saw the cobra putting its head back underneath my seat. I had a moment of stunned silence. Not sure if I should tell the passengers because I didn't want to cause a panic. But obviously, they they needed to know at some point what was going on. I just said, listen, there's a problem. The snake is inside the aircraft. I've got a feeling it's under my seat. The snake is inside the aircraft. So they apparently knew at some point that there was a snake that went unaccounted for. Is that why he well, said the yeah, snake? They've been talking about the snake. They've yeah. been around the engine cowling. And okay. assume they assumed it was now the same snake. Okay. I've got a feeling it's under my seat, so we're going to have to get the plane on the ground as soon as possible. Luckily, they were not far from welcome, so Erasmus declared an emergency with Johannesburg. I told them far from welcome. I had an unwelcome passenger. As soon as the aircraft came to a stop, we started getting out. The three passengers in the back came out first, and then the one sitting in front with me. They all tried not to get out too hastily or abruptly, as they were not sure where the snake was at the time. I got out last, and as I rolled the seat forward, I saw it curled underneath my seat. Ooh. We contacted a few people around trying to get some snake handlers, but by the time they arrived, it had disappeared inside the aircraft again. (laughs) Man. Crafty. Crafty snake, yeah. He said that they had engineers strip the plane trying to find the snake to no avail. They were hoping uh, it found its way out. Meanwhile, he will be flying the plane out on Wednesday. I don't know about you, but I don't think I'd be doing that. I until they found the darn snake. I haul boxes has the right model of airplane here. Oh, uh, I haul boxes says it was a beechwood raft boa. <laughs> okay it's a bit of a stretch a, a little contrived there i hill boxes <laughs> but i like it though it doesn't roll off the tongue but Not it's nice really. uh let's see uh aviation specialist and south african chief air show commentator brian eminent em- eminence who has been in aviation for 38 years said erasmus displayed the greatest skill in aviation when asked if such incidents happen often, he said, oh, yeah, all the time. No, he said, hardly ever. He's an absolute hero. He could have panicked. He could have put the airplane in an uncontrollable spin. Well, why would he have done that? I don't know. He could have rolled the aircraft with passengers falling all over the show. I don't know what that means. And with the bad weather, he could have lost sight of the ground and crashed, not only killing those on board, but also people on the ground. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand uh, the way that, south africans speak apparently <laughs> i think they're basically saying that in his panic he could easily have lost control of the aircraft sure. okay so he didn't panic and didn't lose control so he's very good that would be yeah. a simpler way to say that but it doesn't I just make for a good falling, quote uh, passengers falling all over the show i mean <laughs> maybe, maybe that's just a, <laughs> i don't really understand what that means uh and here's another one I, I don't understand when i got to the airport this is um is this Eminence again? Uh, yes. Yeah. When I got to the airport, I saw the aeroplane as in the meantime, the pilot had radioed and put out an emergency call requesting landing at welcome. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. There I think he was misquoted, probably. Probably. <laughs> Either that or he bumped his head and he doesn't have a way of getting the words out in the right order. Maybe or he was something. bitten by the I snake. And the maybe, maybe he was bit by the it's snake. Yeah. <laughs> we found the snake. It's snake bit. Yeah. He's snake bit. Show title Snake bit. Um, anyway. Uh, once it was dark, they realized that they were endangering their lives by trying to find the snake. I would say during the daytime, when it was yeah. light outside, they were endangering their lives trying to yeah. find the snake, actually. This is a poisonous, deadly snake. Like, it's not It's not like during the day, it's just fine. Mm-hmm. I think it's a danger at all times. I think so, too. <laughs> all boxes says, I, I would have frantic, frantically screamed, there's a snake in my pants. There's a snake in my pants. <laughs> Sensible. <laughs> yeah. Um, that could mean something else. I, hope I know. It's just like when I go yelling, there's a party in my pants. There's a party in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> and you're invited. Okay. Um, let's I'll probably cut that out. Yeah. Well, probably not. No. <laughs> Okay. I, I might I might point out that uh, I remember leafing through a particular squadron's uh, um, diary uh, going back years, and it turned out that they had once been stationed in the Far East, and uh, they were a lightning squadron. And as they this bloke taxied his lightning in, he saw this vast snake, a huge damn uh, boa constrictor, mm. across the taxiway, and he ran over it with his uh, lightning. And uh, he thought no more about it until uh, the ground crew came to put the uh, undercarriage locks in so they could tow the aircraft. And the bloke looked up into the nose of a bay, and uh, this snake had clambered up the nose wheel and had taken refuge, wrapping itself around inside the uh, undercarriage bay of the nose wheel. Uh, So they (laughs) worked trying to work out what they're going to do with this damn great big snake. So uh, someone had the bright idea of firing off a a carbon dioxide fire extinguisher up into the nose bay, which they did, which is extremely cold. And as we all know, reptiles go a bit slow when they're cold. They kind of, you know, become immobile, uh, which is what happened. He dropped out. (laughs) So then the boss thought this is going to make a great photo opportunity. So they, got the station photographer and the whole squadron lined up <laughs> holding this huge snake and they were shoulders of now i've seen the picture and the bloke in the middle is the uh squadron's uh warrant officer the most senior non-commissioned officer uh, the chief engineer and um they <laughs> it's pretty warm <laughs> In this country, it and uh, of course, the snake starts to fall. Oh no! And um, it kind of starts to wriggle, and of course, it's it's wriggling at either end. So slowly, the blokes holding the head and the tail start uh, backing away and letting go, and <laughs> more. <laughs> There's still only one bloke left holding this damn great big snake who's this little warrant officer. Uh, Yeah. Well, I never did find out what happened to him, but uh, no one ever saw him. He disappeared. (laughs) There's a shape of a warrant officer in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) All this this just makes me very glad that the most I've ever found in, in. Unwelcome places in an airplane are birds and birds' nests. 
So yeah, that's, you can deal with that. Bird's nest. You can deal with those. Yeah, you got to look. Yeah, no, it isn't want. a bit of a worry when you oh, come across. Yeah, you don't you don't want them in there, but you just remove them and then you could. You got to look for them. So yeah. the the worry is, is not the, looking uh, for them. They can't fly on their own. Of these aeroplanes. Yeah, they can build a nest in a night. Oh golly, that and lay eggs. Okay. Hmm. Oh, oh my god, oh that's mm. amazing. Mm. Even after Fair you've enough. plugged all the openings that you think they could possibly get into. Wow. Well, that's, wow. that's what you get. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These kakalaki birds, they're uh, <laughs> remarkable, aren't they? They are. They're small. They can fit in small spaces. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I guess we should move on to item D, um, the uh, London City Airport has scrapped the 100 milliliter liquid limit by using high-tech scanners, which also allow electronics to be kept in hand luggage at security. Uh, they can now, uh, travelers can now carry up to two liters of liquid and toiletries. Ooh. That's a lot. Uh, no longer have to be That's put in separate bags. It's the uh, second UK airport to use this technology in all uh, its security lanes after Teesside introduced it in March. The government... Mm has set a June 2024 deadline for most UK airports to install the machines. London City Airport has set a June... I just read that. Uh, London City Airport has brought in the C3 scanners, which takes high-resolution 3D images of bags. Passengers at other airports currently have to remove items, such as tablets, laptops, and liquids from hand luggage for security checks. Current rules were introduced in November 2006 at the end of a ban on liquids in the cabin when British police said they had foiled a plot to blow up as many as 10 planes using explosives hidden in drinks. London City Airport started trialing the new technology more than a year ago and went live with four of the new x-ray machines similar to CT scanners used in hospitals. Oh, that's great. Probably has just amazing amounts of x-ray radiation that we get to kind of bathe in our, ourselves in why not well it's yeah. a little bit more i already get plenty of it it's fine yeah you're well you know if if you're in your line of work hazard. um yeah Occupational uh, and also in our line of work as yes. well I'm, I'm, yes. there's no telling how much radiation i've been exposed to in my life uh, and i'm still kicking Oh, that's your excuse. Uh, that's my excuse, yes, Liz. It does affect the brain. Um, let's see. Chief Operating Officer Allison Fitzgerald said screening staff had been retrained to use that technology. Uh, the level of processing now through the x-ray is even more secure than it was previously, and the machine has the ability to differentiate between a non-dangerous and a dangerous liquid. Hmm. The machine would still reject images it was not happy with, she said, but it would allow staff to focus on potential threats while allowing such items as water, shampoo, and perfume to go through. It, it would also speed up the door-to-gate process for travelers such as Dr. Stephanie Plummer in Charlotte uh, to make her way from the parking the deck moment. to the flight uh, in less than five minutes. Wow, I don't I take work. I don't take liquids with me anyway. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Those I, I stopped that a long time ago. Yeah, usually I can get Fair whatever enough. I need wherever I go, or they have it at the hotel. There you go. Or they have Those. these water spigot things in the bathrooms. 
Els Pilato is skeptical. Oh, uh, Els Pilato is skeptical. He said, uh, I bet pilots will still be required to pull everything out of our bags. We are clearly the threat. Of course, you know we're the threat. Come on. Anyway. Uh, looks like, um, let's see, Heathrow trialed 3D scanners in 2017 and said with more security lanes than any other airport installing the new machines was always going to be complex and take longer. Um, Gatwick is currently trialing one lane with the next generation technology. Uh, looks like um, technolo this technology has already been in use in the airports in the U.S., such as Atlanta's Hartsfield-Jackson and Chicago's O'Hare for a number of years. Okay. Then why are we still required? I was just going to say, but you to, still got the liquid Yeah, we still have the restriction, except unless you're uh, air crew, we don't have the restriction, and we haven't. Well, that's a bit odd, because if you have that, then I don't understand yeah, then why. why. Uh, they just want to be jerks. Difficult. Because then what would they What would they do? What would their job be if they couldn't yeah, stand there? Yeah, that's right. It might involve redundancies. To, yeah, to all of you listening here. from the TSA, uh, the... We love you, really. The statements that Steph just said are her own and not... <laughs> you don't represent the airline pilot. Does not represent the airline I mean, no, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to support you guys. You need something to do. That's true. Oh, yeah. Good point. Great way to spin it. All right. Um, let's move to E. And uh, the FAA is to boost U.S. air traffic control safety after close calls. Kind of makes you wonder why they didn't already have it at the highest level to begin with. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, you mean you could be safer? <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? They're going to turn that knob up on the safety Yeah, thing. that's right. Yeah. The FAA said on Thursday it's taking steps to improve its air traffic control operations after a series of near-miss incidents raised questions about U.S. aviation safety. There's no question that we are seeing too many close calls, FAA Air Traffic Organization Chief Operating Officer Tim Errol said in a message to employees reviewed by Reuters. On Wednesday, they took the, a very major step, the first step in shutting down uh, and firing all air traffic controllers that have anything to do with the mythical triad airport in North Carolina. <laughs> okay. Wow. Seems harsh. <laughs> it does oh, seem yeah. harsh. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who, who refers to someone by their two initials is going to be fired immediately. Well, the problem is I think they all do that's everywhere pretty much all in the U.S. Yeah, that's just a controller thing. Uh, uh, anyway, on Wednesday, the FAA issued a separate safety alert to airlines, pilots, and others citing the need for continued vigilance and attention to mitigation of safety risks. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Lots of words. Uh, that really don't mean anything. Six serious runway incursions since January prompted the agency to convene a safety summit last week. Um, let's see. The FAA would ensure that supervisors devote their full attention to the operation airfield during peak traffic periods, provide more dedicated training for unusual circumstances, and update simulator software for the first time since 2016. Um, Get right, off that landline. 18, 19, 20, 22, 23. That's a long time. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Also, they're hiring soon. So if you've if you've ever wanted to be an air traffic controller, now is the time to get that application in in the United States. Yeah, same applies in the United Kingdom. Uh, yeah, apparently, uh, Canada, I saw Adam put out uh, yeah. uh, a little notice a, saying that uh, they're hiring over here too. Yep, it will be a brief and, uh, hiring window. From what Canada I too, according to our yeah. producer, yep. Liz. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so hey, if you've always wanted to be an air traffic controller. 
now might, might yeah. be the time to do it. You go. have to be safety oriented. You have to be safety oriented and have um, heightened vigilance and mm-hmm. uh, know your safety mitigation. No lowered vigilance. Con- techniques. Verbiage. Verbiage. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's. Uh, it's funny sometimes when you say, "Okay, we're going to use um, increased vigilance." But so why weren't we always using like as high vigilance as possible all the we time? We were at the top, but huh? yeah, but apparently, yeah, there's exactly. a margin there. This is bad news that we're talking about. Okay, um, this is bad news for the United Kingdom. Nick, um, looks like uh, a failure to launch appears to sink Virgin Orbit, and we're talking about the uh, we're talking about uh, rockets and stuff. Well, you actually say United Kingdom, but it's a Californian company. Oh, is it? Well, this yeah, is bad news for a California company. Then, <laughs> never mind. Uh, Rich, I guess the people over there in the UK are are are, are, are good with it. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, although it looks like, what aren't most of the people that were laid off in Britain? Well, uh, I th- I think some people were laid oh, off uh, okay. in Cornwall, and it was an area. It's an area of poor um, employment levels mm-hmm. anyway, and there aren't many high tech companies down there, so they uh. they were. Very excited about this when mm. it you know kicked off, but uh, sadly, sounds like they're going to disappear. Well, thank you for setting me straight. I, I, for some reason, I was thinking it was going to you know adversely affect um, the UK, but mm, looks it yeah, will, I think, but well, not yeah. as badly as right the California company, California-based company. It looks like in a U.S. securities filing on Thursday. California company, part of Richard Branson's Virgin Group, said it was laying off 675 employees. It's a lot, or about 85% of its workforce. Uh, it said uh, Virgin Orbit said it was acting because of the inability to secure meaningful funding. Um, yeah, they've been scrambling to find additional money since the company's rocket failed to reach orbit after its launch from Cornwall, England, um, a little bit earlier in the year. Yeah, I'm a bit worried that it might have been inadequately funded to start with because you think of all the companies that have tried to fire stuff into outer space. Um, there are frequently failures, in particularly in the early days. And if you hadn't funded for a few failures, then you go, well, what are you doing? I mean, they've had one attempt and it's gone wrong. So, And that's caused the company to go into financial uh, hardships, I uh, would have gone, yeah, okay. Uh, you know, it's just think how many space failure SpaceX have had um, mm-hmm. before Lot. they got it right. Yep. They've been so, doing it since, uh, like, uh, I don't know, 2013 or maybe even before yeah. that. Yeah. So I, I wonder what was wrong with their funding in the first place. Yeah, you're right. It's got to be the funding. Yeah. Well, at least probably part of it, yeah. So, Who knows? So, you know, this this um, Virgin Orbit's launch platform was a 747, and uh, they would haul the rocket up to high altitude and then launch it, uh, horizontally launch, I think they call it, as opposed to vertical launches from the ground, like most, you know, the traditional way to launch a rocket. Do you think that this t- way of launching rockets still has a future, or... Uh, is it, is it well, I don't know, because there, there is that enormous aircraft that uh, has been built in the States. Oh, yeah. 
that I'm trying to desperately think, remind myself of the name of it. It's not coming. Um, You're not thinking which, of the, which one is it? Not the Virgin Galactic one. That's no, no, no. This, this was uh, something. I'm not plugged into like space stuff, so I'm. Sorry. It had uh, it had a pair was... of fuselages and a big long wing that stretched between the two. It, was, it mm. held the world record of one of the largest airplanes mm. in the world. And, uh, launch. They, launch. Yep. Well done, thank you. And they could uh, suspend their rocket between the two fuselages. Uh, and uh, drop it, and it would fire off in in a similar way. But that hasn't really gone anywhere. That that technique uh, on both of these um, that experimental aircraft and this seven, converted seven forty seven haven't really gone anywhere. So I'm not quite sure if it's the technique that's in there. I mean, I understand the logic. If you take your spacecraft up into the upper atmosphere. You've taken away one of those big problems they have of powering it through the thick atmosphere and in the lower levels, and you've given it a cheap and easy boost to reach out of space. So, you know, it's a great theory, um, but I don't understand quite why it hasn't worked so well. Neil Lanwarn's being very cynical here. Neil Amworm says in our live oh, audience. There you go. That's oh, yeah. the thing. We did talk about that. As a tax write up, yeah. it's probably very successful. Yeah. In the world of. <laughs> yeah, probably, uh, Neil. Yeah. Neil. You're acidic, Neil. Yeah. How could you possibly think Richard Branson would like a tax write up? Yes. Here's that strato launch. Uh, what, I'm not sure exactly what they call it ROV or. Um, that I know. I, oh, wasn't the uh, the Microsoft uh, one of the big uh, wigs? Allen, uh, Allen, uh, Richard Allen, or something like that. No, um, something Allen. Oh yes, I think uh, you're he right. Was, and he he was like m m one of the major sources of funding for this venture, and he passed away. Uh, and when that happened, a lot of people thought, oh, "Okay, Paul Allen, Paul Allen, Paul. thank you." And uh, a lot of people thought, oh, okay, that's that's it for this program because that's where most of the fun. So I guess, you know, funding is critically important for these types of ventures, huh? Yeah, but I mean, they've got so far with this uh, huge, great big aircraft. I mean, they built it from scratch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a remarkable looking thing. It's probably one of the ugliest airplanes mm -hmm. I've ever seen. But, uh, <laughs> Looks like some kind of a dinosaur or something. Uh, well, exactly. Yeah. Miami Rick's next. Looks very platform. strange. Yeah, a little bit yeah. like pterodactylish. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If it could make some pterodactyl noises while the rocket launches, that I think would it be does, excellent. Actually. Yeah. Cool. But uh, Virgin Orbit did have some successes in the trial firings. I think out of five firings, four were successful. Hmm. So, uh, it's just that this particular one, which had all the payload, um, you know went kafat so i uh, didn't reach orbit so um you know they they lost so much money over that that this it's wrecked the company it seems a bit of a shame you'd have thought they'd been insured wouldn't you don't know don't know if you can get insurance for, for something that's brand new rocket and not tested yes, rocket launches. yeah we'd love to insure that that sounds great so. now yeah else Piloto uh thinks that it's steve allen <laughs> Steve mm, Allen. I don't think so. No. Okay. Um, anything else to say Noah. about this? No. Not not good news. Not but... really. Uh, just bad news for Cornwall, of course, and yeah. the people who are employed down there. I feel sorry for them. 
a bit of a nightmare. Mm-hmm. But uh, and of course for those in the states, but but you know, it, it was it got a lot of publicity, uh, and um, the failure wasn't really um, considered to be you know a, a death knell for the company initially. But it seems like they've uh, they've run out of money now. So mm-hmm. there you go. Sadly, yes. All right, guess what? It's getting to know you time. It's the time of the show where we kind of find out what everybody's been up to between episode recordings. And uh, who would like to start off today's GTKU? Might be quick. Okay. That's what I say all the time. (laughs) Mine really really will be. Um, it was a long weekend for me, but Friday off for uh, Easter holiday, Good Friday last weekend. And um, yeah, we did part two. We've had on some Friday really morning. nice weather here in Kakalaki land. Like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every week it seems like it's sunny, 75, 80 degrees. And then the weekend comes around. It's like nonstop rain. So. Uh, I didn't do any flying last weekend. Uh, it rained all day Friday, all day Saturday, and then it was fairly windy on Sunday and also Easter holiday. Um, so I caught up on sleep, which I don't do very often and I should probably do more of. There were a couple nights I slept like 10 hours at a stretch. Wow. It was great. No wonder I can't you've been so pleasant that. to be around lately. Right? <laughs> <laughs> mm, I mean, right. I feel it too. It's okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Um <laughs> But I think I needed it because uh, the next couple of weekends will be kind of more go, go, go again, which is typical for me. So um, not supposed to be doing any flying this weekend. We'll see whether it looks better. Rain tomorrow all day again. Yay. And then uh, maybe some thunderstorm stuff over the weekend. I don't know. But um, uh, there's a holiday in the uh, New England area on Monday associated with a sporting event. Well, now the sporting event associated with the holiday, the holiday just because Patriots Day and the Boston Marathon runs on Monday. And the this has nothing to do with flying, but one of my other uh, hobbies and passions in life running. Um, the arguably the greatest marathoner of our time, maybe of all time, will be running. So I decided I wanted to go and spectate. Steph, that's um, a little immodest, isn't Elaine it? Elaine Kipchoge. <laughs> Sorry, are you, ta- know are you referring to yourself? Not referring to myself. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. No, no, no. I'm just trying to figure out who yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. So um, the weather looks like it might be terrible, um, but maybe not. I don't know. It's been kind of all over the place, at least not freezing cold. Mm-hmm. Um, probably rainy, though. But my plan is to hang out and try and catch a glimpse of, of him on the course. And Did um, you say who it was? Yeah, Elliot Kipchoge. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed that. That's okay. And... Uh, I mean, lots of other... What country does he hail from? Kenya, pretty sure. thought so, yeah. yeah. They're pretty They're pretty fast, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, so he holds the world record for the marathon 201.03 or something in Berlin. Um, and he's run an unofficial uh, marathon time of under two hours, like 159. That's going to be the big official barrier, is it? Uh, breaking the two It is, barrier. yeah. Yeah, that's the official. And you can't, the, the Boston course is not record eligible, so he won't be setting any oh, records. Oh, because they it's, keep cheating? <laughs> no, it's it's uh, quite downhill, actually. Starts at about oh, 400 okay. feet above sea level and finishes at sea level. 
All right. Even though there's a bunch of uphills in the middle of it, but it's not record. And it's point to point, uh, which is another uh, problematic. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, um, but it should be a great race. Um, I have a lot of my own personal teammates, uh, friends that I've known for a lot of years, well, the same coach who's from the uh, the area up there. And uh, so hopefully I'll hang out with my coach and we'll cheer on some of our teammates as well. I'm going to do that all day on, on Monday. Looking forward to that. Brilliant. And then, um, speaking of running, the following weekend is the London Marathon, and I mm-hmm. will be there to run in London. Well, speaking of fast, uh, or the opposite of fast, um, Nick's internet. Not fast right now. No, no not it's good. not doing well Freezing at all. You're breaking up and freezing and, and all pixelated. He's like, everything. stop motion, pixelation. Yeah, stop motion. Maybe stop that thing in the background. Maybe I'm fine. Thank you very much. Well, okay. Thanks for asking. Well, well we are, not uh, here, but yeah, from no. from our end of things, um, yeah, it's not, not looking good. super great. I'll do a speed check. I'll check. Okay. Alrighty. So, but um, yeah. Other than that, lots of lots of rest and recovery and feel good. And yes, that is probably correct. I haul boxes. I can run a marathon <laughs> in one APG. One APG. Is it, Give me three and a half hours, just over three and a half hours to get a marathon done. That's going to be the new unit of marathons in the future. <laughs> One APG. <laughs> they did it in three quarters of an APG, yeah. a new record. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's incredible to me, though, that, you know, there's someone on this planet that can run a marathon in close to, and quite a few people can run it in close to two hours. That's wow. very fast. Man. Sub five minute miles the entire way. Mm-hmm. That's, I, so I, I I'm, I'm excited just to go and, and spectate and, mm-hmm. and witness that. So it'll be fun. Excellent. Yeah. All right. I think well, you should go next, Jeff. I think that'd be a good idea, Steph, <laughs> because it looks like Nick's having issues there. Um, so I, uh, let's see. So last, the part two of the last episode was on Friday morning and, uh, that was also a good Friday. And, uh, I, I sang in the uh, last seven words of Christ and you'll remember that I was a little bit uh, nervous, uh, about doing it because I'd not done this, these works before. And uh, a lot of it was just solo work and I'm not, I don't consider myself a soloist and, uh, but it turned out great. It, it, it As was, we uh, knew it would. We yeah, were not, so uh, I, I really kind of stepped it up and tried to kind of make myself into a, into a, 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 a what a soloist singer and um got a, a lot of nice com- compliments especially from the sound guy uh, he's a this is his thing you know sound and mixing and all that kind of stuff and he goes well now you've done it you're gonna sing like that well you know now they're gonna, you're you're gonna, gonna have to be the soloist have to do all, all the time kinds of stuff. <laughs> oh, oh. anyway uh and then uh came home from a little break and then went back for the um good friday uh service and uh, that was very, uh, very special, very kind of um, sorrowful, uh, very uh, different type of, uh, of music and uh, very moving. And then uh, Saturday evening was the Easter Vigil Mass and basically the biggest, um, uh, most important Mass of the year in the Catholic Church. And uh, it was like, a, that thing can drag on for many, many hours if you do all the readings and everything else, but, uh, they usually kind of scale it back a little bit, but we, we had one of the, in fact, the newest Bishop, uh, I think we have now four bishops in the Atlanta archdiocese, one main Bishop and then arch 
archbishop, and then the others are um, auxiliary bishops. And the newest one, who was uh, ordained in our parish church um, a couple of months back, uh, was also um, the celebrant at our Easter Vigil Mass, and uh, so that was kind of nice. And uh, let's see, Easter Sunday, sang a bunch of, <laughs> for some reason in my head, I'm thinking this is just like Christmas time where you sing the uh, the Christmas Eve midnight mass and then the next day I'm kind of off. But that's not the way it is in Easter. I, I was uh, sadly um, misinformed in my own mind. And uh, so yeah, Easter was a big day too. Uh, sang at three, actually sang at fewer masses than I normally do on Sunday because I didn't have the latest one at five o'clock. But anyway, it was good. Uh, great singing with all those fine folks um, in the choir at my church. And then uh, went to uh, uh, lunch, uh, a buffet lunch with uh, the choir director, uh, her husband, and uh, had a good time there. And uh, then I left that night uh, for a trip. I think it was Sunday night that I left. No, no, no. no you went to dinner with. Uh, oh, that's right. <laughs> How stupid of me. Thank you, Liz. Uh, no, what I did was uh, I got together with an APG community member. There he is on the on the video there. That is uh, Caesar, and he had contacted me. Well, I'm. You know what? I'm not going to say anything else because a lot of times I just yeah. duplicate everything uh, in the audio that I've recorded. So let me play some audio of this meetup with Caesar. And uh, I'll fill in the blanks that uh, I didn't say something about. So here we go. Hey, everybody. I'm here in Atlanta, ATL, where I may or may not be based for Acme Airlines. And I am uh, meeting up or, yeah, I'm meeting up as we speak with one of our community members, Cesar Padilla. And, oh, is it okay if I use your name? Oh, it's too late. I've already used your name. And uh, he is here in Atlanta to attend a special training thing, an ATP, CTP, M-O-U-S-E, or something like that, um, that uh, our sister airline, uh, Delta Airlines, uh, puts on, along with a lot of other outfits out there. And uh, anyway, so he said he was going to be here and this time. Uh, which is, uh, this is Easter Sunday, actually. And uh, he's going to be here for about a week doing all that stuff. And uh, he said, hey, if there's a chance uh, and you're in town, let's get together, have dinner, drink some beer. So that's what we're doing. We're at the Brass Tap. I've never been here, by the way. This is a nice place. Um, on Virginia Avenue near uh, uh, Delta headquarters, or some people, some friends of mine uh, that fly at Delta call it Mecca. And uh, anyway... So enough of me. You hear my voice all the time. Uh, I'm going to hand the microphone over to Caesar. Hello, everybody. I've uh, been listening to the Airline Pilot Guest Show for a few years now. Uh, I've been looking forward to meeting up with Captain Jeff. Uh, over the last uh, month or so, we've been emailing and texting, getting this set up, and just so happy to be here and uh, learning all about uh, Acme Airlines and how things are really run out there in the real world. So... Goodbye for now, and uh, happy to happy to meet Captain Jeff. Pretty much everything I'm telling uh, Caesar is uh, just all lies, because uh, I really don't know anything about the real world. Because uh, just all a virtual. I, I fly for a virtual airline, basically. Never leave my house. But no, that's not true. Anyway, it's been a lot of fun uh, learning about Caesar and his family, 
and his career plans, and uh, I've learned a lot. So thank you very much. Uh, enjoyed uh, having dinner and beers with you. And uh, so you go ahead and uh, throw it back to the studio. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you. Boom. Got it. Anyway. <laughs> Good catch. Nice like you were having Thanks. a mustache competition. <laughs> yeah, competition. Yeah, when I first saw him, I'm thinking, ah, oh, this is he's going to make a great. Well, he's already a great pilot, I'm sure. Yeah, Air Force uh, military airlift uh, pilot. It's not the military airlift command anymore, though. It's not Mac. It's something else. I can't remember what it's called. A A A AMC, like the like the theaters. Um, yeah. Something mobility command, air, air mobility command, I think. Anywho, um, yeah, we had a lot of fun. Uh, it was nice drinking the beer uh, on Easter Sunday. And uh, it was, uh, as I always say, the conversation with uh, people in the community, that's like priceless. So thank you, Caesar, for uh, reaching out and, uh, and uh, you know, sharing some some beer and some uh, conversation with me next day is when i left for a trip and little rock uh, arkansas little rock arkansas thank you liz <laughs> i'm trying to remember where I, i'm i'm kind of doing the thing where i'm just picking up things that oh i was very disappointed so on the way back up to roswell or in somewhere in that area i uh checked to see if there were any interesting trips not available while you're driving though not while i was driving of course not liz no uh at, uh noticed that there was a trip available that was going out on um monday night one flight to wilmington north carolina and then off all day the next day and then on wednesday morning just fly one flight back to atlanta i'm thinking that would be very nice and i was so excited because i'm thinking okay i got my request in just in time and I'm just waiting for them to call me. And I got back to the apartment. Why are they not calling me? And then I pulled it up on the computer and saw that they decided that, you know what? That trip is just too good to give to somebody. So we're going to change it. And we're going to stop the whole process. And we're going to add a, a turnaround to Charlotte and back and then get to Wilmington. And then the next day, deadhead back to Atlanta. So it came, it, it went from a beautiful, three-day trip to a eh, so-so two-day trip. Little rock trip. Make nope. it sound like you don't like to go to Charlotte. Well, I, you know, I <laughs> love the people. It sound like you don't like flying airplanes. <laughs> well, okay, that might well, be Well, I, I was I'm getting to that point, Jeff actually. Is, Jeff is, yeah. You are an inspiration, Jeff. <laughs> but I, I love the people of Charlotte in surrounding areas. They're, mm. they're beautiful people. And uh, people. it's just that the operations at the Charlotte airport are... They could Lacking. use some improvement. <laughs> just say that. I think they have a suggestion box. Yeah, yeah. They keep ignoring my suggestion stuff. Constructive criticism. <laughs> they're get they're getting better though. They are getting. But it was more than just a trip to Charlotte and back, and then it was like a several hour wait, and then you had to fly yeah. well, late at night. To, you know, just it made it into yeah, a not they, so great. They, they ruined it. Yeah, they ruined it. So somebody, some other sucker, ended up picking that up. Um, but anyway, I did pick up the one leg to Little Rock on uh, Monday and uh, overnight there, Rock. and then uh, one leg back the next. So it was nice no, and no, easy. No, no, no. You had a whole day in Little Rock that you worked on the show and got it out and published. Did I? Yeah. And then you went back. I don't know. Did you? Mm, 
oh well, I didn't have a full day in uh, Little Rock. That was the week before, I think. Mm-hmm. What Little Rock has less than twenty-four hours in a day? Okay, that's fine. Um, it's a geographical oddity, a time space how continuum you got the oddity. Show out. <laughs> yeah, anyway. just, Yo, I did get the show out, Liz. That's true, uh, but I did that. Um, but yeah, I didn't have that extra day there. I okay. Yeah, it was just an overnight. I didn't have a, anyway. Okay. Yeah, because I did two two day trips this week, starting on Monday, and now it's Thursday. So okay. Yeah, physics. Anyway, um, <laughs> so and then uh, I picked up another trip. It's like talking with your imaginary friend. I'm just I this was going to say the same is, thing. This is the normal <laughs> thing for me. Like this, like when I'm not doing a show. I'm having a conversation with myself all the time because first I, I was just, worried that, you know, there was some sort of neurologic event happening where he just like yeah, stopped I, and I, stared I, off. Very into sad, space. But yeah. Well, then it's going to get worse. That could be one all, yes. your face drooping. Well, the problem is we won't know. Well, we'll have to like, yeah, yeah, to if you listen to the, Liz, if you listen cues. to the audio podcast, I'll definitely have to include Liz's conversation in the background there. So you know that I'm not completely losing my mind yet. You know, there's, there's always hope for that. Anyway, you, you picked up another trip. So I picked up another trip on Wednesday, Thursday, which is where I, I just got back from that today. And it was a, uh, Montreal, um, trip. And so left, uh, Montreal. last night, Montreal. Yeah. I don't know the way, yes, the way that stuff says it. Montreal. There. No, say it the way you just Montreal. do with that French show. Montreal. Montreal. Mm, oui, oui. Mm. Uh, and, uh, had an overnight there and, um, back today this morning and here you are here i am so so far this week flown four days and i've flown four flights wow is, that sounds taxing it is especially that montreal flight was over two hours <sighs> each way oh, and, Lord, and a different yeah. country and, French and, a, different country. and a different language and a different yeah. language yes oh man geez that's it so was very rough. very stressful. taxing and stressful for me <laughs> yeah it was actually very, very easy, um, you know, going through their customs and do, they have a separate crew line and we went right through it and it was just easy breezy. Not, not, not quite as uh, nice as it was for Liz and I, when we were coming back to the U S uh, from, oh, wow, that was great. uh, from Heathrow, um, what was it, uh, last year, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, where we didn't even talk to a human being. <laughs> that was going into Heathrow. That was, uh, or that was going into Heathrow. Yeah. That was pretty amazing anyway yeah uh, we have no human beings in Heathrow. well apparently that you very know, few they're anyway. getting fewer fewer yeah. and fewer that are able to actually do <laughs> ones, red, that, you, ones that you have to talk simple to anyway. jobs <laughs> yeah exactly. looking forward to that that'll be nice all right captain I, include, nick. I include adam on in that list <laughs> so captain nick it looks like uh your um oh i may have spoken too soon you just froze there uh, it looks know. like you mostly fine work- down my end oh well that's good to know <laughs> <laughs> but what about your internet? No. <laughs> oh, I can't speak about that. But it, I, I can tell you that my ping is adequate. Okay, well. <laughs> what a brain. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Nobody's ever said that to me, so I, I think that's that's good. I've had lots of tests. And <laughs> I'm sure you have. Um, uh, Liz, could you please put up the picture of Jeff and Caesar again, please? Yes, I've got oh, a question. No. Oh, no. What? Jeff, what is that you're wearing? It's it, an it Easter looks egg like tie. Christmas bauble jacket. <laughs> what is it? Tie. So that was a tie that I was wearing around my uh, 
in around my collar and then oh uh, i thought it I, was the lapel of some fancy jacket it no. looks a bit like a sort of kimono or a happy coat Jeff, yeah it's okay. uh, i you, figured it out without it yeah well you're better than me there, Steph. yeah yeah I, and I, uh, you've called this blake caesar but he seems to be mr ii bean so according to his jacket <laughs> Oh, L. Those are L's. <laughs> oh, L. Bean. All right. Yeah. Well, that's his his um, his you know his alter name, ego, his AKA. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, there's a lot of L. L. Beans out there. Yes, there are. Case. Yes. Oh, lovely. Okay, right. Well, now you've solved those two problems for me. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed. I, I looks also like like you've got you've got a parachute harness. Well, you know, I I took that off shoulder. while we were in the in the brass cap, <laughs> and I put it around my like that but i didn't even think about it when i was taking the picture and then after i saw the picture i went oh yeah that's weird looking why did you put, leave that tie right? yeah, anyway. It's, anyway it's, no, it's uh, uh it's the end of the indoor bowling season here in the united kingdom so you know all uh, our bowling over have... here is inside indoor well, Aww. yeah, yeah, mostly, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, uh, actually, it carries on throughout the year. But those of us who bowl like to bowl outdoors, which is much nicer, being in the fresh air, etc. Uh, we uh, we're kicking off at our club on Sunday, so we had our last game uh, of the indoor season a couple of days ago, and um, it was very nice. And Liz has got a picture. We took a picture of the very last end of uh, the the last match, which we won um, with quite a, a nice margin. Um, so uh, the jack in the middle, the white ball, is what we're all trying to get close to. And uh, we're very lucky because uh, we're three players on each team. And uh, you can tell I've got the black and white bowl and uh, number two has the orange one and our skip has the blue one so for, for uh, because it's hard to tell in the picture can you give us an idea of the size relative size of yeah, how big are balls? your balls yeah if uh, uh can you can you put Large me back orange. on the screen oh, yeah. yep, just a minute thank you about that big okay oh. Oh. So, there you go <laughs> <laughs> we're out of control is <laughs> <laughs> going on so they're about uh, six inches <laughs> very impressive oh balls um, well that's not that impressive well for, for balls and, actually <laughs> there you go that's a decent and size I, speaking from experience no exactly and I thought I I'd, uh, I'd also put in a close up of uh, my bowl uh, because when you choose your bowl, and I chose uh, that Aero uh, manufacturer, uh, a nice black and white one, you're allowed to pick a symbol to put on, it be engraved on the side of your bowl. And if you have a close look there. There's, an, there's a little airplane. It oh, is. It's not cool. just a little airplane. It's a 747. Uh -huh. Oh. There you go. Wow. So yeah. I had a 747 engraved on my bowl wow so it served me well this season yes that's too bad that miami rick isn't with yeah, us today yeah i know i think he'd appreciate out. that i think you should send him that picture and see if he picks it out see how keen his um, eye is he might do yes yeah. no I explanation just it's send an a engine this 747 it's <laughs> 
<laughs> hasn't got the engines. It's a 747 glider. Those are but, beautiful uh, balls, Nick. I, thank oh. you very much. I, 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 they do clank around a bit if uh, you're not careful. But uh, other than that, they're very nice indeed. Yeah. So that was uh, <laughs> kind of part one. Uh, bowling season is now starting in earnest outdoors and uh, really looking forward to that because it's so much more fun playing on grass out in the fresh air, enjoying yourself with your mates. So we're looking forward to that. And uh, the other thing I thought I'd mention is uh, we've you've already kind of met uh, our new doggy acquisition who's been with us for a few months now called uh, Zayda. Uh, but I thought I would um, just uh, show you a little video oh. of uh, her oh, and our old girl. So this is Zayda now, and oh, as you can see, uh, she's just spun around and um, oh, come to a halt between my knees, uh, oh, which is a great place if you want to just keep control of your dogs. And this is one of the places we've been walking them lately. So uh, yeah. it's uh, a very pleasant area. Now, Zayda is not settling brilliantly. She's a little reactive. In other words, she gets a lot of fun out of spooking other dogs. Mm. So um, she can be a little bit um, uh, overly playful. <laughs> Big stick. What, Love my big stick. Yeah, that's one of her habits. She loves running around with the biggest sticks you can possibly <laughs> imagine. <laughs> and you usually whacking you around the ankles. With yeah, them. watch out for your knees. <laughs> exactly. Oh that's when her whacking the camera oh, no. uh, with it. But she does love that. And but she's also, Vieslas are notoriously good water dogs. So uh, she also, also loves being in the water. They actually have webbed feet, so they make great swimmers. Uh, very good indeed. But um, we have been to a uh, behaviorist and a trainer, and we're starting to get a handle on her now. And uh, as you can see from her keenness to um, do little training exercises, I think the problem is we're not engaging her enough. Um, so uh, we're going to work really hard on that and try and get her um, sort of uh, a bit more... Um, associated with humans and you know meet more humans meet more dogs become a bit more um relaxed social. with them so <laughs> what more social sorry yes socialized thank you yeah. that was the word i was looking for so anyway that's been it really uh we've enjoyed our time um the uh our normal walking area which is the army ground i've put a couple of uh um mm -hmm crew logs up from the army ground has been closed to us for a, oh. well over a month now. Uh, we, the, the rumor around the village is that the Ukrainian army is up there doing some training. Oh. We don't know, hmm. but uh, they banned it to all the general public, uh, but it's opening again in a few days. So, so where was this uh, footage uh, from? That's from another walking area we, we go to, mm -hmm. um, which is uh, a, sh a short drive away. But, okay. Uh, so sadly, we can't. Yeah, we've got to drive there, which is a bit of a pain. But uh, it's really pretty. Down yeah, there, it really you, is. You can see, yeah, it's a lovely spot. And it's quite, it's quite a deep, uh, hollow dell, as we would call it in the UK. So mm -hmm. uh, it's very pleasant to walk all the way down and then wind your way back up again. Mm -hmm. You get a heart attack in the last bit, but apart from that, it's fine. It's good cardio. Yeah, a heart it attack a day. <laughs> it's good for you. Yes. 
Absolutely. So that that's been my week doing that and uh, looking forward to it. Oh, and my my little car is in having uh, new tires and uh, the the rims um, re. <laughs> Return to something Have approaching you been, normality. Why, why do your rims need to be? <laughs> Just keep done. driving into the curb. <laughs> Sorry, my alloy rims do not like being driven into no, the curb. No, don't drive your rims. They're into delicate the curb. rims. Well, I, I, I say me. Uh, my lovely wife has taken my sports car out for a few drives, and she's managed to scrape the whole front uh, spoiler <laughs> on the ground because she. Uh, went through a a large dip uh, a bit, well, I can't say a bit too, speedily because she assures velocity. me she was very careful. Uh. But anyway, I'm not going to get that I've, re-sprayed. I've, I've ridden in a car with her driving, and I think that she was probably driving <laughs> well under the speed limit. Yeah. You reckon? Oh, well. <laughs> I don't think she was going very fast, but she uh, sadly done about a 1,000 Dollars worth of damage, but She's just taking go. taking her frustration up from out, <laughs> out on you in this way. Uh, I should get that back from the wheel man tomorrow with brand new uh, boots on all four wheels and uh, uh, the rim all repainted. So that'll be nice. Cover anyway. Nice. You, you we were onto the the picture. Yeah. Put me. Uh, yeah, that was an easy one, really, wouldn't it? We had a uh, that that. Uh, Passenger was bashed into the ceiling on a on a exec jet. So we were talking about uh, uh, rich uh, owners uh, and whether they wear seatbelts or not. So I thought we would recreate an imaginary incident with a rich owner uh, going through <laughs> through the ceiling of his exec jet and all his money. Apparently, he out. carries a lot of. Cash, a lot of cash. Well, wouldn't you if you were rich? Yes, yeah, I would. Carry a lot yeah. of cash. I wouldn't know. Spread it around. <laughs> <laughs> Very so, good. Uh, that's that's uh, actually that, that was all done through uh, that. Not all done through the um, uh, med journey AI driven uh, imaging um, platform that we go onto. But uh, so I put the bloke and the money in. But the aircraft, I thought was. Quite a reasonable representation. Mm-hmm. It was pretty good, I thought. Anyway, yeah, all good fun. Yeah, very nice. Coffee fund. Okay, coffee fund. My producer is telling me uh, it's time for that. So here we go. Johnny, how much more coffee? No thanks. I love coffee. I love tea. I love the APG community, coffee and tea, and the Java and me. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Just send your cash. All right. Coffee Fund is your way to support us financially if you have the resources to do so. And a couple different ways to do that. We have uh, the Coffee Fund Classic Method, which is uh, basically a PayPal donation page where you can send in a one-off, two-off, or whatever, even a recurring donation if you prefer. Uh, and since the last episode, we have Mazoots Kareem again comes through for with another nice, generous donation. Thank you very much, Mazoots, for that. And uh, the other way that you can be a supporter of the show financially is to become a patron of the show. And executive producer, was former producer, 
Dave Baran is Aaron. now executive producer. He doubled his pledge, his wow, his uh, episode pledge, to uh, make it to the next level. So thank you very much, Dave, for doing that. We do appreciate that. So hey, if you were thinking about, uh, you know, hey, I like what they're doing, and I want them to keep doing it. I'm gonna send them some money. How do I become part of the uh, Coffee Fund Cadre? Well, head over to airlinepilotguy.com slash coffee and you'll find out all about it. You'll be glad you did and we will too. And this is where we maybe Sorry, take a I'm break. Sorry, I'm here. Yeah, no problem. Um, break, Jeff? I'm good. Actually, I, think, I don't think I... I, I, I grabbed a, a, a new... Drink in uh, in honor of uh, Dublin, uh, and I ha- I'm using that we're... the glass. Uh, probably stuff. Oh, turn it around! It uh, hops in the hanger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, turn around. Oh, like oh, oh, turn it 180 it? degrees. There you go. Yep. Hops oh, there you the go. Oh, very good. Hops in the hanger. Yeah, February like 28th, 28th, 27th of this 2020. This one's 2020. That was like yeah, just pre pre pandemic. Yeah. I have the same glass. Excellent. Good times. Good times. Yeah, um, I think I will get one more beverage. Well, if we have well just go ahead and do that then. See if we care. I to finish that one I mean, first, though. I, I don't care. Do you care, Captain Nick? Uh, I, I know. Uh, I'm like Shingles. Shingles doesn't care. I know. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, wow. He See how well we work together. Scared of you are. I had the cursor a... right over that, just waiting for the appropriate time to press the button. Excellent. Yeah. Sorry. I'll uh, be right back. Okay. Do you need to go up on it? So I, I opened up this um, this nice little uh, Guinness draft I'll be right um, back. can and. It's got one of the little devices in it a, that a uh, widget. Yeah, a widget in it, and uh, then I, about half of it poured gas. over the out, out over my leg and onto the floor. <laughs> Open it gently and stop oh, I shaking it. Thought well, I did not shake it, and I thought I was <laughs> opening it gently, but apparently I I didn't use proper technique. Oh well. Oh dear! It's not the end of the world. We did have Pip. Do you know? Is that we have Pip in the? Is he still chat here with room? us? Because we have some feedback uh, from him. I haven't seen it. Yeah, no, uh. I haven't seen him uh, for a little while. He hasn't made any comments. Put it that way. Hmm. You know, he, he uh, gets easily bored. I is think. is Tim Van Ram being uh, politically in- incorrect here? Um, well, almost uh, using grease on the curds makes them slippery. Hmm. I'm assuming he's talking about uh, like like oil grease and curds, like uh, cheese curds, like from Wisconsin. I uh, you know the curbs. So the oh curbs, road, don't you? Oh, maybe he's just curbs. misspelled curb. Oh, uh, okay. Mm. My biggest mistake was uh, trying to get out of a car park by taking a shortcut, <laughs> and I couldn't get my front wheels around the concrete guides that lead you up to the gate that was one of my mistakes and mm. the other was doing a u-turn in a road and i thought i had just enough room you were I wrong nope. <laughs> yeah. this is why you need a jeep 
Well, you mean you don't have wheels on a Jeep? No, I just don't care about the curbs. Oh. (laughs) No chance of it. Well, it'd have to be a very substantial uh, curve. I just drive over them. Got just over half an hour till plane Well, yeah, sadly, I've got these really low-profile uh, yeah, time, my so. electric car is the same way. I got to be a lot more careful there. Yeah, so mm. that that's the thing about the uh, car that I have. They have the 19 inch with the really low profile um, tires, and the I think the actual wheels, the rims, stick out beyond the rubber of the tire. <laughs> Who designed that? Oh, that yeah, I don't know. And it's like you get a little idea. bit close, and then all of a sudden you hear this <laughs> awful noise. Uh, <laughs> you go, oh, like yeah. nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> I remember the first time that I did it, I'm thinking, oh, I felt so bad. And then after the second or third time, I thought, okay, whatever. They're just well, wheels. Now it's just a design, now it's just a design <laughs> it's just, uh, edition. It's just like no going back to like un, yeah. unblemished. Well, uh, the tires I've got on have got a good half inch of uh, rubber to as a buffer. And in fact, I've ripped off most of it. Uh, on, uh, the- <laughs> now you're like in my situation. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But uh, after they ground back about, you know, uh, forget, it'll probably be about five mil. I'll have to grind Jim Van Ram these has a good comment back. for you, Jeff. Then uh, <laughs> I'll have a bit more room <laughs> yeah. between me. And smacking the curb. I do, uh, Tim, I could really use those things. And uh, Tim and I remember <laughs> curb, curb feelers. feelers. The, I don't know if you had those in the uh, I didn't. I, oh, the I know UK. what they are. I know. Yeah, the I've U.S. was seen a, them on a car. Yeah, it's like these things, and they, they're like whiskers that stick out, mm-hmm. and, and they make this obnoxious noise when the whiskers, <laughs> curb feelers, feel the curb, and then you know you're getting close. So here's the, the crazy thing, though, about my little um, – as I call it, the Batmobile, mm-hmm. uh, my battery mobile. Um, it's got cameras everywhere. So I can actually see like a lot, especially the front tires. Like there's little cameras oh, in the- um, That's useful. The, uh, wheel well. the side view mirrors that point down at the wheel. Oh. So, and there's a, it makes like a 360 image of the car too. So I can usually wow. tell how close I've gotten to yeah. the curb. That sounds You just very ignore nice. that anyway and just- Oh, no, I use that it a lot like actually. sounds like one of Mr. <laughs> Elon Musk's special cars. It is not- no. But oh, it's not a musk. It is car. not a musk. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get moving. Half an hour. We don't Adam want to, Liz. Was, this is too much fun. She's making we're us talking move about on. Cars we and your... curbs. Yeah, yeah. And I want to talk more about things. cars. We haven't talked about. Um, when I think of curbs, I think of Formula One. Ah, right. Yes. Mm. Well, we really we haven't said anything here, about Liz. that, have we, Nick? No, no, we have not. Not yet. When do we start talking about that? Whenever we want. Well, if you happen to be in the what part of um, England is that uh, considered? Silverstone. Well, it's up near Banbury. Uh, so I don't know. Is that? I'll have to look. Um, I, my geography is pretty small. Well, we're we're gonna definitely have an APG meetup, probably not <laughs> not super formal Who's or me? anything. We, uh, myself, and Captain Nick will be attending a uh, Formula One race that they hold every year at Silverstone um, called the British Grand Prix. And, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Like July. Uh, it's in Bucks, Buckinghamshire. Buckinghamshire. Oh, I believe. That sounds familiar. I think we know someone that That's lives right. there. Isn't that where Nigel technically lives or very close? Uh, yes. I, yes, indeed he does. In fact, yeah. I think we might be spending some time. In his, his place, his, his country estate. Hook up with him afterwards. Yeah, 
So, um, yeah, the first part of July. So I guess that's like the July 8, 8 9, 10, something like that. July. Eh, let me get my calendar out. Uh, coming up soon. I can't wait. Um, I think it's uh, the 7th, 8th, and 9th is that. I think it's that weekend of July. Uh, the British the, Grand Prix. Uh, the, the Grand Prix is fr- Friday the 7th, yeah, 8th and 9th. But mm-hmm. you'll be obviously arriving before that and leaving mm-hmm. after that. But uh, yes. yes, looking good. That's looking good. Yeah, so that's uh, that's the plan. But I'll be over there, and uh, you know, it'd be a great time to get together with uh, any of you who happen to be living over there or visiting at the time. And uh, so, yeah, we'll- it's a nice central area that uh, around Milton Keynes, Northampton, Banbury, that kind of area. So uh, a lot of people from the Midlands. In fact, you can get it to it from almost anywhere. It's uh, cool. Going to be great fun. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to it. So, just thought I'd throw that out there, you know, unofficially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, I think that we need to play a feedback bumper, and then we can continue with uh, some feedback. And here we go. Captain, incoming message from Thomas uh, Arrow Friedrich Friedrichshafen twenty Nailed it. twenty. Thank you, twenty twenty three ABG <laughs> listener meetup. Hi Jeff and crew. Maybe a bit short notice to make it into a show on time, but from the nineteenth to the twenty second of April. Ooh, that's coming up pretty soon. We're on the thirteenth right now. Uh, there is a an aviation event in Friedrichshafen in Germany called Aero 2023, and then he gives us the link to that, aero-expo.com. A lot of people in the European GA community and the European Georgia community, I'm so confused. You're, oh, general aviation. Euro, European general aviation community are going, and the eurogaorg forum guys are organizing a meetup slash dinner on that Friday evening. Maybe there are more APG listeners going to that show that want to join. Uh, meetup info and a chat group for signups is here. And then there's another link that we'll have in, the, in our show notes for you. And he says, thanks for your awesome show, Tomas. Um, wow. I wish I could go. I really do. Um, too short notice for me, but Hey, I'm over here on the other side of the Atlantic, but there are a lot of people that listen to this show, Thomas, that uh, and- may be over that way. Yeah. We got, uh, Stefan and, uh, uh, Tillman. Tillman. Oh yeah. Tillman. You know, I almost grabbed that glass, uh, from my <laughs> cupboard, uh, that I have not used Marcus officially, um, Marcus at Holder? his Oh, well, you need to. It's bottomless. It's That's great. what I what yeah. I heard, and I really like bottomless. That would be a great place for a meetup. Marcus is. Marcus? Oh yeah, who? Marcus. Marcus Fabian. Older. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Fabian, man, we haven't heard from him in a while. Yeah, Hope he was he's in doing the okay. BFFs today. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, um, there you go. Thank you for sending that in, Thomas, and uh, I hope that. Somebody listening out there, uh, let's see, we should get this thing published or I should get it out by Monday. That's like 30, uh, just a few days that week, um, early in the week. Maybe somebody will hear this and say, hey, I need to head over there, 
see if I can find some fellow APGers and have a great time. And if you do, please make sure you take pictures and record audio and then send it to us. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and whilst you're massacring um, German words, I, I, <laughs> Thank I, you. Realized, <laughs> I realized that in my plain tale, I've got a couple of German words, and I and I, after recording it, I looked back at my script and went, "You pronounced that completely wrong." And um, it's a, it's a rank in the um, German military that uh, I believe is correctly pronounced, Capitan uh, Lieutenant, um, and I say. Capitan Lieutenant, and I know that my German friends, because they love uh, just making sure that uh, everything is correct, uh, uh, they will have spotted that. So I'm going to apologize beforehand. Well, I'm disappointed, Nick, because you usually, I've seen your scripts, and you usually put the, you know, like spell it out phonetically. I, I do indeed. Uh, but I thought I, I thought I, uh, would have, have no problem with this one. But I, <laughs> so you thought, nah, I don't need a, I don't need any kind of cheat. <laughs> I got this. Got this. <laughs> exactly right. So I carried, and it wasn't. It wasn't until well after the event, too late to correct it. Did I? Yeah. Oh, Tim Van Ram says a German word for Vaseline is der Wiener Schleider. Schleider. Der Wiener Schleider. All right. Wow. Tim, have you been drinking today? Thanks for reading that, Jeff. 1821. uh, So it's, it's only, uh, it's only 321 in the afternoon. I think that we, we need to be concerned about Tim. I think it's on Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. 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 Oh, he's washing his RV. We we might might need an APG intervention. (laughs) Wait, I think that involves more of the same. (laughs) It probably does. (laughs) That's useless. <laughs> it's sympathetic drinking, I think. They exactly. Call it. <laughs> okay. Oh, I hold boxes that it's group therapy. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. The new Excellent. Olympic sport, synchronized drinking. Oh, man. Next. Okay. Next. <sighs> All right. Uh, where were we? What, what are we doing here? Number four. Oh, Scott. Okay. Number, number four. three. Four. <laughs> I'm four. hearing. Four now. I'm hearing number three. I'm hearing number four. We finished we're gonna, number three. Will... We're moving on to number okay. four. Okay. Okay. Let's number four. Here we go. And Liz is yelling to you, Steph. Thank you, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> got you, Liz. I got you. All righty. Uh, this is from Skylar. Uh, I was so thrilled to hear that. Oh, is that, is, is that from that musical? No. The Skylar the Sisters? Suggested the Colgan no, different Skylar. That's Hamilton. That's what I was thinking of. Isn't this to do with Hamilton then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll find out as we read through it, but I, I kind of doubt it. Yeah. Yes. Oh, let me let me uh, continue here. I was so thrilled to hear that the Colgan Air Flight was this week's plane tale. I always love how much detail Nick digs up. I had no idea that those regulations we have today were put into place in response to that crash. Thankfully, regional pilots are paid much better these days and can can't afford to live off base and stay in hotels during commuting. As someone on the verge of starting flight school, 1,500 hours can seem very daunting. There are a few programs that try to work around these regulations, such as Destination 225 with Southwest. But for someone like me, not interested in uprooting my family and moving to another city, it can be an isolated feeling trying to figure out where to go, what kind of curriculum is right for me, and how to manage the costs. 
I've done years of research just to feel comfortable enough to pursue this journey. I hope that in the future, all airlines can offer an apprenticeship type program and really make the industry a lot less intimidating to join. I would like to finish with a couple of questions for the crew, if that's okay. I don't know. What do you guys think? Is it okay? Yeah. I'll allow it. Okay. Okay. Stuff will allow it. Number one, (laughs) what is one airport that you have yet to fly as a pilot or passenger that is at the top of your bucket list? Singapore, Changi. I have my answer. Uh, Okay. Uh, Contestant uh, DS, Dr. Steph, um, (laughs) go ahead with your answer. That would be St. Martin. Oh, yeah. That's Oh, a that's a good one. To see all those people in their bikinis and whatever. And... I mean, I was planning on being on the beach, so oh. fly in and then there go to the beach. There planes there too, Jeff. Partake in the activities and then, oh. you know. Okay. I like that. That that sounds like fun. Nick? Singapore. Uh, I would go to the opposite and I'd like to land in the Antarctic. Oh. That's a, that is a very close on my list of things as well. <laughs> but you're talking about actually on the ice and not the water. Cor- yes, correct. Okay, yes. just want to clarify. Yeah. Okay, uh, Liz uh, says that uh, Singapore, Singapore is her yeah. her airport of choice that she would oh, like on nice her bucket airport, list. Actually, Changi, I've been oh, in there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I landed at a three forty in there. Okay. Um, I would like to uh, listening to Captain Al uh, talk about and and uh, uh, Neville Bounds uh, going into Gibraltar. Sounds like it's very, um, uh, and I actually, (laughs) I tried to do it in a simulator um, when we were in uh, England uh, a couple of years ago. Didn't work out very well for me, Uh, but uh, I'd like to do it like in a real airplane. I think I'd do better. uh, Did you hit one of the monkeys? Is that what happened? One of the apes? Or the cars going across the I don't recall seeing any. Apes. apes or monkeys, brass or otherwise. Well, uh, <laughs> um, well they there are there are apes that live on the rock on top of Gibraltar. Oh, okay. And they uh, they they're sort of a good luck charm for the island. And during the war, um, they began to diminish in numbers. So uh, the theory, the old um, story goes that uh, they got some RAF personnel from the RAF regiment, the the RAF's equivalent of an army regiment, uh, to dress up as apes and dance around on the top of the rock. So the local populace wouldn't realize that there were hardly any apes left. Uh, so that's why, um, to this very day, the RAF regiment is nicknamed the Rock Apes. That just sounds offensive. Els Pilato landed at <laughs> uh, El Pilato, Pilato says, I've done Gibraltar using the SRA approach for real. What's SRA oh, stand for? Uh, the eddy currents uh, off the rock can be Surveillance radar approach. Oh, okay. So not, that's what I've heard, PA, and that's what Captain Al has shared with us, that uh, the, the wind patterns can be very challenging, and that's yeah, he says tailwind. Tailwind. Yay. Yeah, you can get a tailwind on both ends both of the ends. runway. So yeah. how does that work? I love wind up my tail, and I think I'd be very <laughs> at home there. Um, okay. So that's my bucket okay. list. Oh, wait, where are we talking about flying or something else now? I don't know. Uh, so we, we went from um, question number one to question number three. Is he just like messing with me here? 
Or did somebody delete one of the questions? No, I did not. Yeah. That's, I that's never a saw point. question number two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Skylar, quit messing with us. Uh, so we're going to go from question one to question three. If you could change career paths with one of your fellow APG members and do it all over again, who would it be and why? Oh, my gosh. I'd wow. change with Liz because I'd like to be retired. <laughs> Yay! I'd change with Liz because I'd like to know what to do to make money. <laughs> I would, oh, heck, if you could change, you wouldn't have. I mean, there's like three of, there's like three of the same option and then like a couple different ones yeah. that are very different. I, I, I think that um, you know, when we get the benefit of listening to the amazing um, adventures of uh, Captain Nick and uh, his uh, RAF Form 414, Volume 1 through, what are we on now, 21, 22, something like that. Um, and uh, he's, he has so many amazing experiences, and uh, I, I think I would probably trade with Captain Nick just to kind of experience you, you realize that. most of those experiences have involved enormous bollockings yeah well <laughs> that's what makes life interesting doesn't it <laughs> i mean i didn't even know that that, that so word many... could be used that way it's <laughs> <laughs> crazy all right right so learn yes. something learn I something mean, today yeah some of my most interesting stories are ones where i've done something yeah. <laughs> Weird or being hauled up in front of the boss, yeah, like or yeah. Rembrandted, as uh, Budgie used to say, Rembrandted when you're putting the picture. <laughs> okay, anyway, great question, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think we've ever been asked that. And this That's is Skylar from the Panhandle, and I'm assuming the Panhandle of Texas, but Florida, Florida, or oh, Oklahoma, he, he's, he's, not a, he's not a beggar then. Sitting on the street. He's not a panhandler. Well, maybe he is a panhandler. Uh, I've been quite rude to Skylar, actually. <laughs> I did take that back because I think I don't want Skylar to think I'm picking on him. I'm not. I'm not. Thanks very much for the feedback. Oklahoma even has a panhandle, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, I assumed Florida right off did the Did you when you hear a panhandle? Yeah, that's normally, When I hear panhandle, I think Florida. You know what, Steph? That's normally where I go when I hear panhandle. But I don't know why. <laughs> Texas popped into my head when I saw that right now. Okay. Anyway, who cares? Yeah. I know that, uh, you know, I, I don't care. And of course, Jingles doesn't care. So let's move on. <laughs> Very true. Uh, Vernon uh, sent us some audio feedback as he is want to do. And he said, Captain Jeff and crew, here's an audio summary of a presentation. A retired United captain and I made to our local Lions Club. Thanks for your continued podcasts. APG addict, retired CFI, former air traffic controller, former uh, civil air patrol safety officer, Vernon Tryon in Fort Morgan, Colorado. Here we go. Hello, APG crew. It's Vernon Tryon in Fort Morgan, Colorado. I thought I'd share with you about a presentation I recently made to our Lions Club uh, and I asked a friend of mine who's a retired captain from United to join me and talk about airline passenger safety. And I gleaned a lot of my information, of course, from APG as well as having been a CFI and a safety officer in the Civil Air Patrol. 
we talked about how many incidents and accidents are quite survivable, but it's important to pay attention to the safety cards and understand where the exits are and how to operate them. And that uh, sometimes there might be a fire associated with a an accident or a runway excursion. And so we talked about how to dress wearing long sleeve cotton, uh, cotton pants like Levi's, not sandals, not I told him I wasn't gonna wear my high heels, but I said that mainly applies to the ladies and wearing closed toed shoes so that if you had to evacuate quite quickly, you could uh, have your feet protected. We discussed seat belts, the need to have them on all the time, and how that relates to clear turbulence and unknown, possible unknown turbulence. We emphasize that the crew duties, even though they're there with their smiling faces and offering up whatever the airline offers in terms of uh, drinks or snacks or food, that the primary duty is the safety of the passengers and if there is a evac evacuation that they're trained in CPR and other techniques to help people get out of the airplane quickly and of course we emphasize don't take your stuff your carry-ons with you oxygen masks I emphasized emphasized how to use them that you use yours first and if you're traveling with a infant or an elderly person or someone that needs oxygen mask to put yours on first. One of the interesting things that my captain friend brought up was shoes, again, discussing when we talked about shoes, that make sure to always have your shoes on during takeoff and landing. And I said, maybe just for the benefit of, of your patient, fellow passengers, you might want to leave your shoes on. But seriously, he's flown a lot of international flights, and he said it's not uncommon for people to take their shoes off during the flight. But he said, make sure your shoes are back on before landing, because if there was an emergency landing and evacuation, you would not want to be scrambling around trying to get your shoes on or worse yet, uh, deplaning down a slide without shoes. He brought up compression socks and the, and the longer flights, he wears compression socks when he was a international captain. His longest flight, interestingly enough, was a 19-hour flight uh, to Singapore. I can't remember if that where that originated from, but in the States. But uh, they, people were interested in crew changes, how long crews are on duty with those longer flights. And so uh, I was glad to have him there to be able to answer some of those questions. And we reviewed the accident that happened in San Francisco a few years ago where the seawall was hit on a landing and yet uh, that was a survivable accident. Everybody got out, and then, uh, although regrettably there was one death on the ground that uh, a person who was run over by a fire truck. Anyway, that's a quick summary of some of the things we talked about for airline passenger safety, and I thought I'd pass that along, and APG listeners might be interested, as well as uh, more discussion from the crew.
So this is Vernon Tryon at Fort Morgan, Colorado. Retired CFI, former air traffic controller. And what else did I do in my career? I was a bush pilot for a while in Africa. I don't think I brought that up. And some other things. Anyway, as soon as I figure out how to turn this thing off, that'll be it for my submission this time. And keep up the good work. You all take care. Thanks so much for what you're doing. Bye-bye. Thanks, Vernon. I was a bush pilot in my younger years. Oh boy. Um, and uh, let's see, you're from Fort Collins, is that right, uh, Vernon? Fort Morgan. I know, I'm just kidding, Keith. It's kind of a private joke. Oh, sorry. I gotcha, I gotcha, yeah. sorry. Yeah. I, Isn't that nice? It was good. It was excellent. I'd love to hear that he's sort of spreading the good news and the good mm -hmm. advice. Good job. And, you know, the only the only downside of all that was it was a United pilot that he yeah but I know. Well, we, we can't we can't scrape all the bottom of the barrel pilot. <laughs> yeah just kidding i, I would i would uh, add um alcohol consumption keep your alcohol consumption down to something that's moderate so that not only can you actually behave properly on the aircraft and stand a chance of finding the exit if you need to um, you don't dehydrate too much, which makes you feel a lot fitter when you get off the airplane after a long time uh, in air that is dreadfully um, dry and sucks the moisture out of your body. I can't help but think that you're kind of pointing your finger at me with that last one. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, we have heard, Jeff. Oh. <laughs> hey, I'm in my yeah. last year, so... Rumors abound. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was thinking this would be, you know, he gave the presentation to his local Lions Club. This would be a good presentation to give to passengers at their gates while they're waiting for their flights. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, very I much. Mean, I know so. it's giving the seat, you know, but by the time you're on the plane, you're kind of like in your phone. Yeah, and, but you know what? Yeah. The, the ones that are wearing their high heels and their open toed it's, shoes and it's too late, but maybe they'll late, think about know. it the next time. Or maybe time. they have some nicer, you know, or more appropriate yeah, they could swap shoes yeah. in their, in their carry on baggage interesting though uh, if you if you've got decent shoes without heels you can put them on but if you've got high heels and you're going to evacuate you need to take them off otherwise you're going to puncture those slides oh that's okay. true but you'll look really good doing it well yes i think so you'll be yes. barefoot yeah do, do you want to go yeah. to the plain tail now or do you Something want to, to do be one said more? for that yeah we could do the plain tail now liz okay let's go yeah you ready for that captain nick Absolutely fruitly. All right. Let's do that. Let me scroll down here to this thing that says plain tail. And uh, if if everybody is, uh, everybody ready on the set? Ready. Ready. All right. Let's do it. Uh, the old pilot's plain tail. This week's episode entitled Brass Monkeys. The old pilot's plain tail. Brass Monkeys. Traditionally, the phrase Brass Monkeys goes hand in hand with weather so cold that only a naughty-sounding description like it's cold enough to freeze the balls off a brass monkey will suffice. Whilst the true origin of this nautical quip has faded into the mists of time, there were plenty of objects that were nicknamed monkeys, including a small single-masted trading vessel, a small wooden cask for grog, a type of marine engine, 
a fast-climbing sailor, a canal narrowboat, a tight and short jacket, a small mast, a block used as part of the rigging, a type of cannon, a short-hand spike used for aiming a carronade, and the boy who carries the powder up to the guns of a fighting ship, to name just a few. It's widely believed that the phrase refers to the dimpled brass plate used to hold a pyramid of iron cannonballs ready for use. When the weather was cold enough, the unequal contraction of iron and brass would shrink the brass monkey sufficient to dislodge the shot, thereby freezing the balls off. If, however, you were the crew member of a NATO aircraft in Europe during the tense times of the Cold War, brass monkeys meant something very specific. It was a code phrase that everyone knew of and listened out for on the guard frequency, just in case it was broadcast. The Cold War was something of an arms race, and both sides were hopeful that by accident or design they might get their hands on some valuable items of military hardware that they could examine to get an edge on their opponents. The latest fighter jets were a prize truly worth yearning for, but as rare as hen's teeth, certainly for the Soviets. We in the West had the advantage of being in a place where defectors actually wanted to go to. Since it was rare for Allied pilots in Europe to defect to the Soviet side, they tried tactics to lure them over the East German border, such as pretending to be a friendly controller and giving false instructions to head east, or meconning NATO navigation beacons. This was a technique of broadcasting false navigation signals imitating and overpowering friendly beacons so that the aircraft's equipment would give false readings. As a counter to such techniques and the more likely effect of simple navigational errors by pilots, NATO enforced a 30-mile buffer zone on their side of the East German border penetration of which was forbidden. Should any Western aircraft be seen to enter this buffer zone, the call went out on the distress frequency, guard, brass monkeys. On hearing this, standing orders required that, regardless of where you thought you were, every Allied aircraft was to turn and head west. Every single NATO pilot that intended to operate in European NATO airspace was so briefed. What occasioned the adoption of the Brass Monkeys' call were a number of embarrassing incidents, such as the 1961 Luftwaffe Thunderstreak incident. From 1956 onwards, the West German Air Force had equipped with a considerable number of F-84s and RF-84s, totaling 558 airframes. At the time, violations of the airspace on both sides of the border was fairly common, and whilst about two NATO aircraft a month strayed across, 
In the four weeks between August and September of 1961, 38 Soviet aircraft penetrated West German airspace. What's more, until German reunification in 1990, the Luftwaffe was forbidden to fly to the western-occupied zones of Berlin. The incident started when NATO held exercise checkmate, and thunderstreaks from the Bavarian airbase at Lechfeld were tasked to fly a navigation route from Würzburg to Lyon in France and then to Memmingham. It was, according to a contemporary account from other Lechfeld aircrew, the simplest thing in the world. Unbeknown to the two luckless pilots that attempted it on this day, a radio compass error of some 50 degrees in the leader's aircraft, plus a strong wind from the west, ensured that they didn't even complete their first leg. On the way to Lyon, they mistook Liège in Belgium for Reims in France. Somewhere over Cologne in West Germany, the two pilots now made a turn towards the east. This put them right on course to cross the border into East Germany and on to Berlin, via some of the most heavily defended airspace anywhere in the world. They were then picked up by NATO radar sites heading east towards South Berlin. Twice they missed calls telling them to turn around as they were talking amongst themselves trying to establish their position. However, the East Germans and their Soviet allies were already well aware of what was happening and had sent up interceptors to catch them soon after they penetrated communist airspace. Reportedly no fewer than 42 fighter jets, consisting of various kinds of MiGs, had been scrambled from Soviet air bases in East Germany. But the F-84s were protected by thick layers of cloud. It was only when they recognised that they were north of Leipzig, deep within East German airspace, and now being chased by a large number of Soviet fighters, did they realise the magnitude of their error. Before the MiGs had a chance to catch the NATO jets, the intruders were over Berlin airspace, where the four powers, France, the Soviet Union, the United Kingdom and the United States, exercised joint control of the airspace since the end of World War II. They declared a mayday, and realising the danger the pilots were in, a controller from the Berlin Air Route Traffic Control Centre ordered them not to turn around and face the swarm of threatening Soviets, but head for Berlin's Tegel Airport. By hiding in the cloud cover and using their speed, they remained ahead of the threat and headed for the airport. At 3.29 local in the afternoon, the two thunderstreaks touched down safely at Tegel, in Berlin's French sector. Soviet authorities remained silent for a few days before officially protesting against the West German provocation and threatening to shoot down aircraft if the incident were ever repeated. The Soviet air command in East Germany was less than impressed with the unpunished flight of two Western fighter planes through their airspace 
However, it chose to blame the bad weather for the incident rather than the failure of its ground control to intercept the Luftwaffe aircraft. Herr Willibrandt, whose third-hand Mercedes I once owned, but that's another story, the mayor of Berlin was furious that the two pilots violated international conventions in a time of strained relations between the East and the West and, in response... Senior Luftwaffe officers announced that any commander whose unit violated international borders would be immediately replaced. This was dubbed Beer Order 61, as it had been formulated late at night over a few steins. The two thunderstreaks were hidden in hangars, and rumours abounded as to their fate. Had they been repainted in United States Air Force markings and returned? Were they dismantled and transported back in pieces? It wasn't until 1970 that the truth emerged, when the aircraft were accidentally discovered buried on the airfield. The pilots involved were removed from flying duties and transferred to become ground crew. Eleven months after this incident, the Soviet threat to shoot down aircraft violating the border was realised when the Bundesmarine Seahawk was engaged by MiG-21 fighters when it accidentally crossed into East Germany. Captain Lieutenant Winkler was returning from a training exercise aboard the US Navy carrier Saratoga. He successfully landed his crippled aircraft at an airfield near Bremen, where it was found to be so badly damaged that it was written off. Winkler was unharmed and went on to fly F-104 fighters, but was sadly killed in an accident a few years later. In 1964, a similar incident, in which a US Air Force T-39 Sabreliner training jet flew into East German airspace, which ended up with the American jet being shot down by a MiG and its three crew members killed. Two years later, a similar fate befell a U.S. Air Force RB-66 destroyer reconnaissance jet, although its crew survived. Years later, a friend of mine, whom I shall call Ricky Locke, was called into his boss's office for what he assumed was his weekly carpeting, but instead was asked if he fancied a few days in Goodeslow, the furthest east of the RAF bases in West Germany. He assumed that this might involve working with some Harrier dudes and inevitably handing them their backsides, but apparently his boss was in the dark as to what was required. All he could tell him was that Ricky, a small cog in the Lightning Squadron's hierarchy, but senior enough to authorise his own flights, and a junior pilot, would be met and briefed on arrival. The next Monday they landed at Goodeslow, completing the entire flight without air-to-air refuelling something of an achievement for the Lightning, and were, oddly, directed to the visiting aircraft section apron to be met by a rather long-haired civilian in his mid-thirties. All very strange. He introduced himself as squadron leader something or other. Really? And he led them across the apron to a helicopter, and they all jumped in the back. 
The helicopter was jammed full with all sorts of weird electronic equipment, the like of which they'd never seen before, and this is where it got interesting. In the privacy of the helicopter, the strange squadron leader briefed them that the East Germans had a new military computer system that was capable of assessing threats, identifying targets, and allocating resources, etc. Over the next few days, the Warsaw Pact would be holding an air defence exercise, and, don't ask me how, our side had devised a way into the computer. In order to allow the boffins to assess this computer, their job was to provoke the East Germans by flying towards the border as fast as they could. That is the sort of thing that a fighter pilot doesn't need to be told twice. The authority for the exercise, they were told, came right from the top, and very few people knew anything about it. They were also given the name of a very senior RAF officer and told to refer any questions to him. Because of the sensitivity of the operation, they weren't allowed to stay in the officer's mess and mingle with the riffraff. Instead, they were billeted downtown in a swish hotel on allowances. Good news! The next morning at Met Briefing, the Harrier pukes, many of whom they knew personally, barely acknowledged them, probably having been told to steer clear. But it was obvious that they were desperate to know what was up. Ricky filed a VFR flight plan and was given clearance ahead of a Harrier 4 ship to take off on the easterly runway. He departed in full reheat, blasting off the end of the runway, and stayed in full reheat, heading east. Goodaslow wasn't that far from the border, so the following Harriers must have realised that something unusual was going on. NATO aircraft were not normally permitted to fly within 30 miles of the border, the start of the buffer zone. To fly into the buffer zone could make people very unhappy. Ten miles from the border was the Air Defence Identification Zone, or ADIS. Flying into the ADIS could be a bad idea, firstly because the same people who were unhappy about flying into the buffer zone would be absolutely livid about one entering the ADIS. Secondly, no matter how fast your aircraft, there would always be someone on the ground with a missile that was faster. Two or three minutes into the flight, Ricky was supersonic and climbing through 20,000 feet or so when the first Brass Monkeys call came over the radio. Brass Monkeys! Brass Monkeys! Aircraft heading east at high speed 50 miles east of Goodislow. Brass Monkeys! He ignored it. Leveling at about 40,000 feet at Mach 1.3, he watched the Takan beacon as the range rolled over. He needed to time this very carefully. He had no wish to cross the border and be engaged by a Soviet surface-to-air missile, but he had been told he needed to be well into the 80s to provoke a response. The brass monkey's calls were now coming thick and fast, so he turned guard off. He was concentrating. Guessing he was now entering the Aedis, he turned north. At Mach 1.3, the turning circle was significant, 
and Ricky was wary of drifting too far east by mistake. When he rolled out on the new heading, for the first time he pulled the throttles back and slowed to subsonic speed to save a little fuel, and then he saw them. Two shiny dots with their accompanying contrails flying about five miles to the east of him on a parallel track. Russian-built MiG fighters, probably MiG-21s. They stayed with him for about 20 miles until he peeled off to the west, a manoeuvre that he'd discussed before to confuse the opposition. After a few minutes, assuming the MiGs had now lost interest, he turned east again, accelerating to supersonic speed once more and began climbing. Because he was only wearing a flight suit and not a fancy pressure suit, Ricky was, theoretically, limited to 56,000 feet, so, of course, he didn't go any higher than that. On reaching the Aders, he turned south, and within a few minutes had company again, this time on his left and below him. No doubt they were desperate, as he would have been, for the interloper to cross into their airspace so they could point out to him the error of his ways. Sadly, the limiting factor of a lightning pilot was invariably intelligence. Uh, I'm sorry, fuel. So, after less than an hour, he had to head home. On landing, he was met by a very unhappy operations officer who rushed him into an office. Apparently, OC Ops wanted to talk with him, and he had better have a good story. He's apoplectic. He picked the phone up, dialed a number and handed him the receiver. Good afternoon, sir. Flight Lieutenant Locke speaking. You can imagine the tirade he listened to, but the last thing he heard before Oceops paused to draw breath was, What the hell did you think you were doing? It was a sweet moment. I'm sorry, sir. I must refer you to and he gave him the name of the very senior RAF officer. Silence followed. You mean this has been authorised? I'm sorry, sir, once again, I will have to refer you to the very senior RAF officer. It was the first and only time that Ricky Locke had ever been called in for a bollocking and come out on top. <laughs> oh, those poor monkeys. No. <laughs> yeah, that's so Freeze cruel. indicator. <laughs> well, you never know. One of them just might be a lady monkey. Probably, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. That's my messed up That was mind. great. <laughs> that um I don't know what to say about that one, Nick. Well, I, I have to thank uh, Ricky Locke, whose uh, um, recollections uh, have been um, apparent in more than one plain tale, but he has, uh, like many of us who've lived through that period of the Air Force, got a wealth of uh, excellent stories, and that's just one of them. But mm -hmm. um uh, we were all so terrified of uh, drifting over the border 
by accident and uh, you know that it was just a real no-go area uh, and i'll actually be authorized in fact ordered <laughs> to <laughs> deliberately uh, go right up to the border was a, a rare occurrence uh, so uh, that, oh, i thought that was a very interesting um uh story and of course having uh, discovered that uh, uh ricky had done it uh, then of course it led me on to uh, the Luftwaffe, and in, in the, of course there were other instances of um, RAF and um, USAF aircraft uh, drifting over the border by accident. But uh, it was a tense old time. People forget yeah. how, just how antagonistic we were to each other, and actually how many um, personnel gave their lives doing um, intelligence work. Uh, close to or even over the border. Fascinating stories. Yeah. Really, yeah. really entertaining. And, and I uh, learned the origin of brass, brass monkeys. monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I have a whole new appreciation of <laughs> balls and monkeys. Monkeys. Yeah. That's quite right, too. All right. Um, Liz is telling us we have 45 minutes till the end of the show and uh i guess we should move on with some more feedback and number six yes definitely she's saying uh, we should go to and this is from brian from Katy, texas he says on my flight from san francisco sfo to iah uh, george bush intercontinental houston the flight was delayed because of technical difficulties after boarding an hour late the captain did a good job of of explaining that it was a problem in the rear galley that needed to be fixed. We pushed back from the gate and headed out. About halfway to the runway, we turned around and went back to the gate. Captain accidentally hit the PA button, and we, all we heard was toxic cargo. After a minute, he came back on the PA and explained that 106 pounds of dry ice was incorrectly loaded, and we had to return to the gate to fix the situation. And with the extra fuel burn by being delayed and extra taxiing, we needed to take on more fuel. I give the captain kudos for explaining this, but I now have the question of how much danger, how much danger were we, were we in? Uh, again, Brian from Katy, Texas. Dry ice, uh, solid uh, carbon uh, dioxide, right? Um, yeah. What is so? Why would carbon dioxide be considered a frozen carbon dioxide, dry ice, be considered a um, a hazardous uh, substance, Nick? Oh, I was assuming you're going to go for the doctor's explanation. Oh well, maybe um, the doctor should tell us. But I don't know. Ice. Does she deal with dry ice? Uh, when she, do you use dry well, ice before you poke the needles into these poor no, people? Never. <laughs> no. Never. Okay. I would, yeah, I would guess that because it's in a, if it's in a small space that isn't well ventilated, if it um, is warm enough and it's not really melting, but what's the word, sublimating, um, you're going to get a buildup of carbon dioxide gas. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. exactly right, Steph. For example, uh, we used to carry a lot of cargo that was kept cool. Uh, so live fish, would you believe, that was kept cool enough to stay alive for the entire flight, um, plus lots of perishables that were uh, 
uh, cooled by dry ice. Um, so we used to carry a reasonable amount of it. Now, in addition, uh, in our cargo areas in the bottom of the 340, we had uh, a section that held the crew rest module for the cabin crew. So imagine a sort of uh, eight-berth caravan uh, that's been dropped into the cargo hold and has got a stairway that goes up to the uh, cabin where the cabin crew work. And when they want to take their breaks, uh, they sneak into a little secret door and climb down into this insulated and very cosy uh, rest facility uh, where they can all uh, go to sleep. That uh, shares the same space as the cargo hold. So, uh, well, actually, it shared the same space as the, I think, the forward cargo hold. I'm trying to remember. It's not important. But the fact is that uh, if you had too much dry ice in the cargo hold that, that the crew rest facility was in, you could um, end up with a situation that because of the thing you described, the, uh, the, as the dry ice um, warms, it gives off uh, carbon dioxide gas that could um, seep into the crew rest area and uh, it could threaten the lives of the cabin crew because certainly not do them any good because obviously if you displace all the oxygen <laughs> by putting carbon yeah, dioxide in there, yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. not good for you. Um, so we had to make sure that if we had cargo with dry ice, it was kept in the appropriate hold away from the crew rest area. And this is the same sort of thing. I suspect that they had a limit on the amount of uh, dry ice they were allowed to have in the yeah. galley. And if they had too much, then it would... I mean, it's it's quite heavy, I think, carbon dioxide, so it rolls along the floor. But uh, fact is, it can get kicked up by people, and uh, you can breathe it. And, um, you know, it literally, uh, uh, in, in the air, you get too much carbon dioxide, you don't get enough oxygen, and you need that bit of oxygen to keep going. So uh, that was, I suspect, the problem. Yeah. Um, dry eyes. Um, or solid carbon dioxide is the most common uh, dangerous good carried by, I think, most of the passenger-carrying airlines. And uh, as dry ice, as Nick mentioned, as it sublimates, it releases CO2. And, of course, we as humans and mammals uh, need oxygen to live. And uh, there are uh, certain requirements uh, based on the aircraft type and uh, size and such uh, and what compartments must be used for, you know, one of the main things for me uh, flying mostly narrow body aircraft for the last 20 something years is uh, the fact that uh, you want to make sure that if you are carrying dry ice in your cargo uh, holds, that it's not in the same cargo compartment as uh, live animals and uh, because obviously right same reason oxygen to breathe and then uh, captain nick also mentioned that uh, situation where we have crew rest facilities that um you know are also sometimes in that lower cargo bin area part of the airplane and uh something i learned when i looked into this uh answer of this feedback uh, were, were um, type one containers 
that are uh, used to transport high-value perishable cargo with high volumes of dry ice. And uh, Type 1 containers have robust insulation, which slows the sublimation of the solid CO2, allows larger amounts to be transported safely. Type 1 containers are too large to transport on narrow-body aircraft. That's why I didn't know anything about it. Um, so um, so that's uh, something that is used to transport very large quantities. But anyway, on my airplane, uh, looks like we have a limitation of 100 kilograms total of uh, dry ice and um, maximum of 60 uh, kilograms forward and maximum 40 kilograms aft compartment. And uh, it, as I said before, it depends on the aircraft, how much you can have, but um, that is probably, well, I don't know. I, I don't know if it had something to do with the actual dry ice in the rear galley, if that was a coincidence, uh, or if it had something to do with the transportation of dry ice in uh, some of the cargo compartments of that flight that you were on. I don't know. Interesting. What you Interesting said. comment from Mel Spilato. Okay, there, okay. let me uh, back over here to the screen where I can see comments being made. Uh, the A380 cargo hold vent directly to the outflow valves. Oh, so no threat to the rest of the aircraft. Well, that's very clever. These Airbus people are very clever <laughs> people. They want to they think people of alive. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah, we we would. Uh, I mean, if we didn't have the crew rest facility down there, there would be no danger to the passengers because uh, 340 did the same mm -hmm. thing. The flow went, you know, through down through the um, avionics bay and then back into the cargo hold and through to the outflow valves. Mm. Um, so uh, yeah, it was um, it was it was a problem, and it was one of those things that. Uh, one of those kind of trick questions that the trainers love to ask you. So you just had to, you know, keep on your ball when it came to, oh, and how, how much dry ice can you have in the forward cargo hold? Oh, I don't know. It was well over 100 kgs. Let me look that up be, in my Yeah, middle. 200 kgs. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I think in the rear cargo hold, it was unlimited. That's after where the oh. outflow valves are, so that's no problem. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. Very cool. Well, hey, uh, we very want to say cool. goodbye to Maine Marin. He's uh, off to eat burgers. Bye. Bye. I'm jealous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, which one, Liz? What? Huh? No, I was just saying it was very cool. That was oh, very cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a very cool piece of feedback. It was indeed. Dry ice is very cold. Yeah. Okay. Um, next one is number seven from uh, Muhammad. And uh, he said, Dear APG, this video for three new Boeing 73 Maxes that are joining the Iraqi Airways fleet. My colleague sent me the video. He loved this special moment in aviation in Iraq. I would be uh, very honest. We are still struggling here. We have a lot of issues, problems that are not solved yet, and these issues directly affect aviation facilities in Iraq. Corruption, old and non-updated systems, routines, lack of information. But in spite of all this mess, there is some light in this dark cave. I feel happy when I see some good steps taken by Iraqi airways or in our Iraqi aviation fields in general. Wish you well, Muhammad. 
All right, so he did send us some video and two of them to be exact. And uh, let me quickly, well, as quickly as I can, uh, load those up and we'll play them for you. And here we go. Here is the first one. A little windy up there in the tower. Three of these. Turn down the volume a little bit. Somebody needs a new muff. What's that, Liz? Somebody needs a muff. So, yeah. Well, don't we all? Um, yeah. Liz is saying somebody needs a muff. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, and I'm. Think, it's I, good to see those bright and shiny new airplanes there. There aren't many others on the airfield, are there? No, there are not. And uh, well, let's play this very quiet. other one, a little bit longer video. And here we go. Ah. I think this person actually has a, a very nice muff that he's employed. But you can still hear those nice uh, jet engines. I love the color scheme as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're going green by the looks of it. They are. Oh. <laughs> uh, where is that? Oh, I'm sure I can get it. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Come on, Jeff. Do it. Do it. Well done, sir. Yeah, thanks for uh, giving me some notice. That. Okay, um, so there we go. Going green on the really nice livery of the Iraqi Airways brand spanking new 737 MAX aircraft. So that is indeed um, um, a reason to be uh, um, celebrating and uh, uh, positive and optimistic about everything that's going on in Iraq. They've been, that country has been through a lot, uh, the last many years. And, uh, we really, we really feel for you, Muhammad. And, uh, we're so happy that we have a connection with those people that are in that area of the world. And, um, you know, just, just know that, um, we, we appreciate you so much. We love you. And thank you so much for being part of our community and giving this kind of this this uh, perspective that you know we we don't really you know get to see. I mean, without without feedback like this, we most of us wouldn't have much idea of what's happening in that part of the world. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's it's nice to it's nice to see some normal life. You know. Mm -hmm. Sorry, <laughs> going a little uh, click happy with my uh, mouse cursor there. Sorry, all good. I'm trying to remove all this stuff. Because it's confusing to me. All right. Well, thank you again, Mohammed, and uh, we look forward to uh, hearing more about the progress of your country um, coming up. And uh, let's continue with uh, item eight. This is from Sam. Uh, what Sam is this, Liz? This would be Sam Dawson. I Sam believe. Dawson. Okay, great. Uh, Jeff, this past show, someone asked about different airports we like. The Atlanta airport is actually a very logical design, so much so that when the new Denver airport was being designed, they went around the country looking at air, uh, airport layout layouts and decided to copy ATL. Well, they copied most things about ATL, 
in the design of DEN, Denver, the engineers convinced the designers that tunnels for walking between terminals were a superfluous and unnecessary expense as the trains would not fail. They didn't study the trains in Atlanta very well then, <laughs> no, they did they? Didn't because they do fail. <laughs> Put this one up there with the infamous baggage handling system. That was a failure. Oh, yeah. That was horrible. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The baggage automated baggage handling system, the most modern in the world. Well, it didn't really work very well right off the bat. He says, if you Google Denver baggage system, you get engineer failure case study. Uh, it's become <laughs> oh, it's dear. become obvious that trains. I mean, it's really funny if you look at it. They have oh, some videos. Yeah, some of if that. you're not if you're not familiar with it, it's fantastic. Watching the the bags getting just thrown, it's just <laughs> hither, thither, and yawn. Yeah, it's become obvious that trains, even modern ones, occasionally break down. At ATL, this is an inconvenience because we have we can walk. At Denver, uh, this is a showstopper as there's no other way. <laughs> for people to get to the terminals <laughs> to retrofit walkways after the fact would be extremely expensive, probably in the neighborhood of $100 million or more just for a tunnel between terminal oh, A wow. and B. So logically the new Salt Lake city airport decided that they didn't need trains. Obviously they walkways. learned from this lesson stuff. Obviously. <laughs> but, you know how much walking you have to do there? <laughs> yeah, but you've run marathons. So is it really that big I'm of just a deal? thinking about like <laughs> the average person. Oh, I would it's not, you not know. Not for you, but for others that have trouble. Yes. I mean, yeah, anyone who doesn't want to walk like 4 miles to their gate is out of luck. Yeah. So maybe uh, there's Liz, could you put up the picture of the terminal again? Because I used to fly into Atlanta. How do you get from F to anywhere Foxtrot? Cuz that's where we park. That's well, the international stuff. We don't want to. I can tell yeah. you. Yeah, I know oh, because I sometimes actually come into and 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 uh, uh, depart out of uh, Foxtrot, the uh, F terminal uh, or F concourse. Uh, there is an underground um, system, a train system that connects F E D C B A N T. So and, it goes all the way to F, does it? Yes, it does. Really oh, does. so we didn't need to use those awful buses. Okay. Fair no, you don't have to use the buses. And I agree with you. They are awful. I've done that <laughs> a few times. The international shuttle is horrible. And <laughs> yeah, if, if you can help it. Uh, but the way they kind of divert the traffic and like you're coming in and you're having to go through customs, I think that if you pretend that you're like getting on a connecting flight, you can successfully maneuver yourself and get down into the transportation um, area of the, you know, the below the bowels of the airport and uh, grab a gotcha. train and get go. Or By the walk. way, where's Dixie? Well, that's another. <laughs> uh, that's a whole other story with lots of. Yeah, for so many years point. at Atlanta, they called taxiway Delta. They called it Dixie and. Uh, and, and they claimed that the reason that they did that is because Delta Airlines, this is their home airport, and that that would be confusing to the Delta pilots. Well, <laughs> I, I have a friend that flies for Delta Airlines, and they never get confused <laughs> when they go to other airports that call their 
taxiway D Delta. Delta. And but for some yeah, so it's a very stupid uh, reason <laughs> not to call that taxiway. Delta. That. They finally changed it to taxiway Delta. You know. I hope Box has right. a okay. comment here. I think he meant tunnels, not I tunnels. have uh, a Mexican friend <laughs> who does tunnels for cheap. <laughs> hey, there you go. Denver. Call yeah. yep. I hold yep. boxes. He's got some connections there. They can uh, take care of that for you. A lot less than $100 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Slightly less comfortable than what you might be accustomed to, but yeah, it it'll, it'll serve the purpose. <laughs> may not be the kind of tunnel that you're expecting. You may have to crawl between terminals. <laughs> you have to crawl. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sam. Also is this? Sam Dawson. Also yeah. Sam Dawson. Um, he said, the story of the errant bag at SFO reminded me of an incident a number of years ago. Okay, we talked about that. We saw some video of the bags kind of traveling very rapidly across the uh, tarmac at the uh, San Francisco International Airport. I was an ATR-72 captain for Acme Express. One very windy day, I was sitting in my seat between turns, munching on my delicious mystery meat sandwich and observing the well-oiled miracle of a machine that is Atlanta Hartsfield. A baggage handler drove up to the forward baggage compartment door, unhitched his load of bags, and began talking to some of his fellow baggage handlers. The baggage cart brakes must have been defective, because as I watched, it slowly started to move away. The baggage cart was so sneaky and stealthy about it that the baggage handlers didn't notice. I tried to shout at them, but no luck. Fortunately, the ATR is equipped with a horn for, for just such situations, so I honked it. No response. Meanwhile, the baggage cart, now out of reach of the baggage handlers, began to pick up speed and selected its target, an unsuspecting mad dog, minding its own business on the other side of the ramp. Three. I leaned on the horn, not letting up. Finally, the head ramper looked at me in exasperation and threw up his arms as if to say, what's so important to interrupt our discussion here, you silly pilot? I emphatically pointed to the kamikaze baggage cart now well on its way across the ramp and picking up speed. It was like a scene from the Keystone Cops. The head ramper followed my point, saw the baggage cart now racing across the ramp and said something to the effect of, Hey guys, we probably should stop that baggage cart as they all suddenly started racing across the ramp. Taxiing aircraft were stopping or moving out of the way to avoid the cart. Meanwhile, baggage handlers were racing after it, also trying to avoid airplanes. The dastardly baggage cart was finally corralled short of its objective, saving a good deal of embarrassments, uh, embarrassment and possible aircraft damage. Fortunately, this was during the days before smartphones, as I'm sure this would have been videoed by several passengers in the terminal if it occurred today. Back then, we had, quote, plausible deniability. Keep the sunny side up, Sam. Love it. Great story. Oh, excellent. Save <laughs> yeah. the mad dogs. Those, uh, those uh, tool kits on wheels are another nightmare. I do remember one in a big store up at Lucas setting off across the, um, and they're heavy, across the apron and plowing into one of our flight commander's Jaguars. Oh. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, he was not a happy chap. No? He didn't like that? No. No, he didn't like that. All right. Um, Greg. Our Dispatcher, f- Greg. Former 
Oh, this is Greg. Greg with a double G at the end. Yeah. He's our dispatcher, Greg, mm -hmm. for one of the very large uh, legacy carriers here in the United States, headquartered in uh, Chicago. Uh, greetings from Acme North. I thought I'd pass along a, a warning about eating poppy seeds and drug testing. I'm not sure if it would show up on a DOT drug screen, but who knows? And they, at the time he sent this to him, to us, only 115 days until Osh, Oshkosh Air Venture. See you all then. And uh, so here's the article from defense.gov. Um, Service members may want to hold off ordering that everything bagel. I love everything bagels. They're my favorite. Uh, it's not an urban legend. Eating poppy seeds can cause diners to test positive for codeine on a urinalysis, Defense Department officials said in a memo released yesterday. Recent data suggests certain poppy seeds, certain poppy seed varieties may have higher codeine contamination than previously reported. The uh, uh, consumption of poppy seed products could cause a codeine-positive urinalysis result and undermine the department's ability to identify illicit drug use. This comes as something of a surprise for the department. At one point, some meals ready to eat contained uh, lemon poppy seed cake and dining facilities often served poppy seed salad dressing. Officials became aware of the problem in 2022 and have worked to review the limited scientific studies and also contracted with an independent laboratory to have the codeine and morphine contamination of multiple poppy seed brands analyzed. Uh, the analysis and other recently published studies were the catalyst for the warning regarding poppy seeds. Uh, the poppy seed memo calls on the Army, Navy, Air Force to notify service members to avoid consumption of all poppy seeds, including food products and baked goods containing poppy seeds, bagels, rolls, salads, salad dressing, and anything that's worth eating uh, contain <laughs> poppy seeds. But there are many other foods where poppy seeds are used as a spice. Many foods contain poppy seeds in the Balkans, the Middle East, and Central and Eastern Europe. Okay, I'm going to stop reading this. We're almost a at the spice? end anyway. But mm, I good. thought that so this was like something that they talked about like a, at least a decade ago, maybe even longer than that, probably longer well, than that. Probably. And I thought for sure yeah. that, that they had like adjusted all these tests to like not throw false positives with the poppy seed thing. So I, I mean, it depends on the test, the sensitivity of the test, the type of poppy seed that was consumed, and perhaps the quantity of it. Um, it should be something that they should be able to tease out. Um, I'm not aware of any like workplace. Um, urine drug tests that have a false positive for poppy seeds, but maybe they do as well. Um, but I've never heard that as uh, being an issue. But apparently the military ones are different. Um, they're more stringent. I guess. So. Yeah. I Yeah. Because I, I, I read this, uh, you know, when Greg sent this, I did a little bit of research and it comes up in other places that the military tests just are more sensitive hmm. and have potentially higher consequences. So maybe not so much so for the um, people in the airline industry they probably are not i'm not aware of that being an issue because yes. i've never you know i worried my i've never worried about it i i love poppy seeds and i love my everything bagels and 
I haven't worried about consuming poppy seeds for many, many years. And I'm very sad to see this article. Thank you, Greg. How about taking codeine itself? I mm-hmm. mean, is mm-hmm. that That'll show up, up in a drug test. We can buy codeine uh, mixed, I think, with another drug. Um, over the counter here. Yeah, we don't you can't need a hear. prescription for it. Yeah. I'm enjoying so. a nice glass of codeine right now. If you're worried about poppy seeds, how about the actual codeine, for heaven's sake? Hmm. I mean, not perfectly normal to take here as a strong painkiller. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I, I'm not sure if this came. Let's see, correction to. I don't know. There's a couple of very recent articles, or at least one recent article, and also a correction to it, um, which I have not read through. But perhaps those recent uh, academic articles have spurred this debate again. Well, like maybe like marijuana, these uh, op- uh, poppy seeds are getting like super, super strong, powerful, super concentrated, yeah. powerful. <laughs> um, I don't know. But uh, I Hall Boxes says he is uh, strongly opiated on this subject mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. very similar to opinionated but uh, mm-hmm. not quite the same okay well thank you greg for that warning and um, i don't know if i'm going to be in oshkosh this year probably not because i'm going to be spending the first half of july in the united kingdom so i'll probably be working the same or maybe heck i don't know maybe i'll be retired <laughs> i really don't know that's probably a Strong possibility. All right, let's continue with uh, Jojo. This is a good one. Uh, he says, Dear Captain Jeff, and this is a personal um, email communication to me, but I'm going to share it with all of you. I have a complaint. Now, we, you know, we don't really get a lot of complaints here at the APG. Most people are pretty happy with what we do. But uh, apparently Jojo, if that's his or her real name, uh, sent this in. I have a complaint to file and hope this finds you well. Now, I'm not going to stoop down to to the level of some listener feedback providers by saying how wonderful producer Liz Piper is and that she basically keeps the show going just to get my feedback read on the show. (laughs) He understands. That's the key. That's how you get it done. (laughs) I mean, we all know that she does a great job at finding exciting content for your show. It keeps you pilots on time, provides important cues, and sometimes the occasional laugh. So let me rather focus on the issue at hand. Why do we never get to know Liz on the show? Yes, it's extremely interesting to listen to how the fourth hair on the pinky of Miami Rick's left hand sometimes angles left instead of straight up. (laughs) That's true. But I think it would also be interesting to hear more about her as well. That way you can make your show even longer and help me out when I'm taking long road trips. So why not add a bit more Piper to the show? Thanks for your show. Always fun listening to everyone's great stories, even if they involve hair. Also, since I'm not good at this keep the blue side up stuff, just let's just say, as a passenger, please don't crash the plane. <laughs> That's important. You got it. Kind regards, Jojo. And so Jojo, um, you know, maybe you're a new listener to the show and I'm glad that you sent in your complaint and you're right. We do. And I try to get Liz more involved in the actual, not the behind the scenes stuff, but the actual 
you know, video part of the show, but she's shy and she doesn't think that, uh, you know, she should be here with us, but she's wrong. But anyway, I'm glad that we have people like you who send in feedback, you know, supporting that idea. And, um, I think this would be a good time, maybe just to quickly ask Liz to join us in the, uh, in the video feed. There she is. And hi Liz. Liz. Um, so Liz, I know that there are a lot of people who are new to the show and they hear about this Liz person and, uh, you know, like not, not sure, like what, who are you? Why are you here? And all that jazz. So tell us I a little bit about. I ask myself that all the time. Well, you why ask am yourself I here? all the time. <laughs> but, yeah. So um, tell okay. tell us why. Um, obviously, you had a great career as an airline pilot, and then you retired. Yep. Oh, wait, no, F- wait. fighter jets first. Fighter and jets then, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. uh-huh. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, no, tell us about uh, your your a okay. uh, little bit about your past. Okay, we're going to keep this pretty fast. I just want to say thank you, Jojo. That was a very lovely uh, submission you made, and your feedback will get the express lane now whenever <laughs> you send it in. So, um, anyway, just two things before I get going on this is it's not just that I'm shy. I I am more comfortable being in the background, but I also have no aviation background at all. Everything I've learned, I've learned from these guys, which is kind of scary, but um, (laughs) so I'm not a subject matter expert at all. So that's really why I'm reluctant to be on the show, because these are the guys and gal that can answer your questions and talk about their experiences um, and they've been involved in aviation. So that, that those are the reasons. Anyway, um, yeah, I was born and raised and I've lived my whole life here in Toronto in Canada. And my career was in the financial services industry and I had a great career, enjoyed it, um, was able to take early retirement in 2009. And I've always been fascinated by aviation Mainly, I just love looking at planes. I mean, I think planes are just beautiful machines. I think the engineering is amazing, and I just love them. So um, I guess I was sitting around with not much to uh, occupy me, and I thought, hmm, podcasts. I hear they're a thing now, and I'm going to start looking around for podcasts that interest me. And I think like a lot of people um, stumbled across Jeff and Company, and caught the syndrome quickly and fell hard. And it was about the time that Je- that Steph and Rick had just joined Jeff. And mm-hmm. Nick was starting to send in his old curmudgeonly submissions, <laughs> and I loved those. And I started to send stuff in. <laughs> I think I said all sorts of, I'm not going to say what they were, but interesting things into Jeff. I thought they were interesting, but they probably weren't. Anyway, um, and I was fortunate enough to meet Nick, and he uh, was on a layover in Detroit, and I went down there and met up with him, and he did a shoot of my dog, um, lots of great photos of my dog, and that was lovely. That was the first um, crew member I met. And then Neville Bounds flew over, and he and I went to Wings Over Pittsburgh, <laughs> and that was a really fun meetup. I met Steph and Jeff, and Nick was mm-hmm. there again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think at that time, that was the time, Nick, that I sort of said, would you like me to put together a list of all your plane tales? And you said, yeah, that might be helpful. And again, I had time to do it, and I was happy to do it, and I still do it to this day. Um, Nick and I were just talking recently, and we sort of cross-check with each other, and it's just a good place to have them all in one place, and it's an amazing body of work. Anyway, 
And I started to think, and I, I realized that Jeff was doing all of the production of the show, both before the show and after the show, on his own. Plus, he was flying a full schedule of flights. So I wrote to him and said, hey, I'm retired. I have time. Can I help you? And the first couple of times I asked, he said, no, thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. And I think it was mainly because he was so busy taking the time to train someone was something he didn't really need to do at that point. But finally, I wore him down. <laughs> and uh, I was able to uh, start doing some stuff. Jeff was a great, patient person um, training me on how to do the stuff. And, and I started to do stuff. And, and I've been able to do stuff for you know, the last several years, I guess it's been like five years or so, eh, Jeff, wow. something like that. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's delightful for me. I, I've, I've great friends now on the crew and in the community, and I've learned so much from these people. Um, and that's me. That's how I'm here. And uh, I'm very grateful for it. So that's it. And she was in the financial well, services sorry. industry, and she loves spreadsheets and, oh my God, I love spreadsheets. And so let me tell you something else about Liz. I love her. Um, she is just is so much help to me and, and the rest of us, but especially me. And I, uh, she, her personality is like the opposite of mine as far as organization is concerned. <laughs> because when this I used true. to do this show before Liz, and I think that everybody here can vouch for this, uh, you know, I wouldn't do any prep at all and then i'll get oh we're supposed to be recording today i think i should probably look and see what we're going to talk about it was there was no planning whatsoever it was um, exciting like, yeah yeah you never knew it was going to happen flying by the seat of and your pants a mixed uh, bag of stuff i think that a lot of for some of us that was like that's the way we operate anyway so it's no big deal like steph you know she you yeah know, I, was just fine with that um but liz is like when we finish today's show she will already be moving stuff into our organize, organizational structure uh, for news items and feedback. And I mean, I'm sure we already have news items that are in the staging folder. Well, and yeah. yeah, she's already going to be talking about what we're going to be doing next week. And it's just that's not me at all. Well, I, I want to be really clear, though, here, Jeff, you yeah. still do a ton of work. Like, let's not be under the impression that I do at all. You do all of the post show editing and production. And that's a ton of work. And of course, Nick does the cover art and his, his plain tale. So it's, it's, it's a real group effort to get yes, this thing together. I don't, I don't want to imply that I'm doing it all by any means. But um, I, I, I hopefully help out to keep things a little bit organized. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't do yourself down, Liz. You are the go-to lady when we need, you know, anything, to, something basically. to happen, change something, <laughs> fix something, ask yes. something. Yes. So I well, thank the Lord you're here to help. Yeah, because, uh, true, we'd have uh, truly Jeff down by now otherwise. Truly and, a blessing. And beyond the show, your friendship too. So. Yeah. yeah, well, absolutely. absolutely. So I think... I hope, and I think I, I, everybody understands this, all of our crew members, co-hosts, producer Liz, every, we're, we're really good, I mean, better than just good friends. We're best friends. And it's such a pleasure to be able to do this every week. And it's just such a blast, especially when we, all of us get to come together. That's, you know, it's hard to do because we all have our own schedules and everything else. But 
um, when we get together in person, it's just like, you know, we're family and, Absolutely. uh, we, uh, I, I just, uh, that's the, you know, one of the main reasons why I continue to do this show with my good friends is because it's just so much fun. It's an excuse to get together with best friends every week and talk about mostly aviation, sometimes beer and codeine and F1, F1 and that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Jojo. That was very nice. And, and, and I'll go back to the background now. And I'll have to say also, Liz is so modest. She did not want us to cover this on the show as we're doing today because yeah. she, she, she did not want to bring attention to herself. But she is so special for us or to us and uh, for us. So thank you, Liz. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Cheers, Liz. Okay, so we got about uh, 10 minutes left. Ten, 15 minutes left. No, okay. 10 minutes left. 10 minutes left. Okay, so yeah. what would you suggest we do, Liz? Oh, boy. Well, let's do Alan, the next one, Alan from Talon. Alan from Talon. Okay, that would be number... See you in a minute. Which one? Bye. Uh, would that be 12? Yes. Number 12. 12. Okay. Uh, hi again, Nick. And I guess the rest of us. Um, I promised to let you know. Oh, he was communicating with you directly. So, okay, I see. He was, and I said, can I and you let shared the that whole with us. Okay. crew? Yes. Great. Definitely. I promised to let you know how my skill test went. I'm happy to say that my training finished according to the initial training schedule, and I passed my skill test last Friday. I need to do the old applause thing here. Yay. Absolutely. All right. This was for his type racing on a hawker. Yes. Yeah, his a, a first hawker, jet type. A hawker simulator that I've actually been inside. It's yeah, you did. Mm -hmm. yeah. Likewise. Yeah, yeah. Stuff yep. was there too. Yeah. Uh, I have to say that the exam was quite a stressful event. And after the last maneuver, it even took me a minute or two until I realized that the skill test had finished and that I could get out of the seat. <laughs> yeah. Well, wow. I understand that. I know. I think we all been, understand that. Been in those stressful situations. Situation. Yes. Because honestly, these things, you know, they, they're pretty realistic. And if you have your mindset properly, uh, you are there. You, whatever's happening, you are, you really think that this is happening to you. And then it isn't until a little time thereafter that you realize, oh, okay, I'm only in a simulator and everything. That's, not really happening okay it's time for me to get out of my seat okay retrospectively i think that i could have been much more relaxed during the test the examiner said before the test that he had full confidence that if the instructor recommends me for the exam it means that i'm ready to take the test and i should not worry that's a great instructor by the way yeah and a little it, like not the attitude yeah yeah mm, great examiner yeah yeah great examiner because i just mm. immediately go oh okay that kind of brings the pressure level down a yeah. little bit and to be honest, the test was straightforward and exactly on what we had been trained. Still, I did not. I did worry. The examiner's words, you have passed, sounded so good after three weeks of, quote, drinking from a fire hose. Yeah, mm. That's a term we use a lot when we are learning new things and we're going to like, you know, the fire hose is just spraying at your face and you're trying to drink as much as you can from it. I arrived back in Tallinn last weekend and i'm now uh, uh, waiting to commence base and line training the evening that nick and uh, he met in farnborough you asked me if i had any thoughts on mpl training 1500 
our rule in the U.S., etc. After we met, I listened to your plane tale on the Colgan crash, and I actually wanted to also send some feedback on that, but this topic is like a rabbit hole. I keep digging myself oh, yeah. <laughs> deeper and deeper. Tell me about it. Yeah, I haven't been able to really organize all my thoughts into a coherent, coherent story yet. So perhaps I will come back with some feedback in the near future. Meanwhile, I wish you a good Easter weekend. We finally have a a very nice weather here in Estonia, and it looks like this weekend I'll be able to take a step from jet training back into a small piston aircraft to enjoy some low and slow flying as a flight instructor. Best wishes, Alan. Very nice feedback, and congratulations. Yes. But, um, yeah, a couple of thoughts. I really like what that examiner said and, and, you know, they want to see you doing what you've been trained to do. They don't want to see you worrying so much about what it is that you're, you think you're up against, you know, they're, they're, they're just there to evaluate the skills that you've learned and you already have those skills. That said, the flip side of the coin is I always find it's nice to have a little bit of that, you know, adrenaline on board for those types of situations for me, because uh, it does keep me on, on my toes a little bit too. So it's normal exactly what you experienced yeah i don't think those of us who i mean when i started flying i had very little piston time when i moved to jet flying uh, on a air force jet trainer and i've only ever flown jets since I, i don't think those of us that have gone that path appreciate what a stepping stone it is to go from um piston propeller driven airplanes uh, up onto pure jets because you know the world is moving an awful lot faster when you're doing uh, relatively high uh, Mac numbers uh, and uh, you know the everything you really do have to gear up uh, the sophistication of the aircraft the speed of the aircraft uh, the rate at which the world moves is uh, is it, it markedly different so it 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 becomes you know quite a step to do your to qualify on your first jet so i say well done alan congratulations good job sir and hopefully you can continue to stay in touch with your uh, flight instructing side of things i think that's that's great yeah absolutely it must be very pleasant to go the world must almost be stagnant when you've uh, flown something like those uh, hawkers and then come back to flying a simple uh, prop driven trainer you know you go wow this is easy. <laughs> easy, but, you know, it's, I don't know, I just always find them to be such a good appreciation of the basics, too. It's like, oh, this is what it takes to get into the air, and then you can make it so much more complex from there. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Always good to hear from our community and yeah, very much adventures. So. All right. I think that it's now time for us to end the show and wrap it up. And the way we do that here at the APG is to point you over to our website, airlinepilotguide.com. Lots of stuff there, uh, information about the crew, bi- uh, bios of uh, all of us uh, co-hosts and producers, and uh, also about the community and the coffee fund, how you can join that if you have the financial resources to uh, support the show. And uh, library, if you like to read books, we have a wonderful person, Tiffany, our librarian, who is a real librarian in real life uh, up in uh, uh, Western New York, York, Buffalo area. 
and uh, she's awesome. So thank you, Tiff, for uh, taking the time to spend uh, organizing, managing the uh, ABG library. And uh, we have merchandise that you can buy and wear and support the show and really so much more. A, a special uh, Plain Tales page that Nick actually adds more to his uh, periodic Plain Tales episodes. Director's Cut. Yeah, Director's Cut, yeah. More images, more information there. So please check all of that out by heading over to AirlinePilotGuy.com. And uh, we also are on social media, something that some weird old, like old fogey dudes call social meds. You know, I, I was thinking about this earlier this week about uh, terms for things and mm -hmm. what the kids lingo is. And I don't even know if this is kids lingo anymore, but uh, one of my coworkers said that their teenager told them that they needed to touch grass more often, meaning they needed to put down their electronic devices and go outside every once in a while. But apparently that's uh, some slang. So hmm. I don't know. I learned those things. We do need to so, touch grass. Yeah. Every once in a while. I mean, watch yeah. the show and then go touch or, grass. You or could listen to your show. Oh, with you. smoke it. You could smoke it. <laughs> well, that, you could you even got, eat it. Nowadays. You could eat it, smoke it, and actually lie down on it, feel it while you're listening to our show on your your Mobile phone device. Yeah. There you go. All the things. Wow. Or you know, find us on Facebook. That's Facebook.com/slash Airline Pilot Guy. We are also on Twitter at APG Crew and individual uh, handles for each of us pinned to the top of that page. You can also head over to Instagram or APG crew and Nick does post the artwork there. I think still, I think he does. He does. Um, I, yeah, no, go ahead. I'll let you no. introduce. What else were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, if that's not enough, well, I mean, that's enough, <laughs> isn't it? I, you would think, but some no? people just, just need a little bit more and that would be slack. Oh, wow. Okay. Let's see if, uh, Hillel is back from Copenhagen. I think he is. Well, he's in my apartment again. Slack? Okay, but I'm dripping wet. <laughs> All right. That's okay. Come over here. He's wearing his towel. It's okay. Safe for children. And he's going to tell us all about Slack. APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K, Sierra Lima Alpha, Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com. Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel, spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1, and see you in Slack. All right. Well, thank you very much, Hillel. What the heck is on this hand towel, Jeff? Don't worry probably, about it. He probably, he probably put it's it. It's food. There. It's definitely yeah. food. Yeah. It's Maybe fine. beer. I used that to wipe the up beer all shampoo. the beer that I spilled on the floor <laughs> earlier. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Halal, for all of that. And uh, we also, again, uh, we've already thanked her, uh, but we, we, you know, it's, it's just not enough to thank enough her. Enough already. Again. No, here we go. No, we're just no, going to make sure you're through. We love you. Thank you so much. For all the work you do. Thank you, Liz. You're really appreciated. My pleasure, and I mean it. Yeah, I know. We are, I think we all feel the same. Uh, and uh, 
finally, I think it's time for me to say, and I should re- mention, especially those of you who are new to our show, when I say Talons Douglas, that's a um, homage, uh, homage, 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 there we go, to uh, Glenn Towler, uh, a longtime uh, aviation enthusiast and uh, ABG um, community member who passed away um, uh, not long ago. And uh, we miss you, Glenn. And in honor of that, and um, homage, homage, I, I like to uh, use a term that he kind of came up with uh, because it sounded like when I was saying uh, tailwinds and God bless, uh, it sounded like, or Talons, Douglas, or maybe it was something that came up in one of those. Uh, what is the closed captioning? It was closed the, captioning. It was the automated closed captioning. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Like <laughs> closed captioning. Thought I was saying Talons, Douglas. So that's every time you hear me say that, or any of us say that, that's an homage to uh, to Glenn. Uh, so, Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, wishing you all clear skies, unlimited visibility, and Talons. Talons, Douglas. Cheers, y'all. Bye, everybody. Bye for now. Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the airline pilot guy. Good day. Such a good, good pilot Till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats Airline pilot guy I fly America oh, Airline pilot guy He can't land in heavy fall I got no friends cause I'm always flying I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine Airline